Lovely. Five past four. Welcome to uh, Monday, Tuesday. Oh, blimey. There's so many things going on at the moment. I had to have a sit down yesterday with a friend of mine, uh, Lynn, and she was saying, right, she said, no, we need to plan the week out. I went, OK, right. I said, why? She said, because we have to see the Olympic torch coming down from Hampton Court. I said, OK, right. When's that? Friday morning. OK. And then the bike ride? Yes. Now, the, the, the bike ride, the cycle race, that cut, we, we have that on Saturday and Sunday. So we've got that to look forward to as well. So we're trying to work out all these things on where is the best place to be to watch the torch, depending, you know, we can either go to the Barmy Arms, in which case, if the torch goes around the other side of Eel Pie Island, we're stuffed because we won't see it, or do we go further up and, uh, and wait in a, a little garden just up by Pope's Grotto, in which case, then we should be able to see it, because it's apparently coming up on the barge, on the Queen's Barge. So I quite fancy that idea. So we've got to make sure. So that, that she's on a, on a mission today to find out exactly where this boat's coming from and which side so that we get the best position. Either way, it's 10 o'clock in the morning and she doesn't get up till 11, so there's no point. Then now she's going to manage this one at all. <laughs> so And yesterday, too hot. Oh, dear, too hot. Just, I cannot cope with the heat. I mean, it just completely drives me balmy. I did go to the doctors. I was very good. And I've rescheduled myself for this Wednesday. So this, this Wednesday, I'm quite busy, actually. One of those rare days where everything crams in. So, show, home, doctor, back in, interview for in conversation, off to theatre. I mean, I should be falling asleep, I promise you. By the time we get halfway through this thing, I should be asleep. And then back home again, because the time it finishes, it's time for me to climb back into bed again. And then in on the Thursday morning, and then another interview for In Conversation, but that's out in, uh, in town. And, uh, and then Friday, and then we've got the... Then it's the start, isn't it? Then we've got the opening ceremony of the Olympics. If you come through Knightsbridge this morning, you'll notice that, A, the delivery drivers are there earlier, 2 o'clock. They've now, I think, from on Friday, 2 in the morning, they're going to be doing the deliveries to M&S in Twickenham, so that'll be useful. And, uh, and down here, all the, all the beer lorries all delivering early in the morning because you've got to be out of tap because there's just nowhere to put anybody. And now that they've got some of the lanes coming down, it's the whole of Knightsbridge. It's very, very interesting because there's barriers up both sides of the road, middle of the road. They're still painting some of the things in. So you'll notice things changing as we go through the week. It's quite, it's quite busy, actually. Very, very busy out there. In fact, it's, you'd almost think it was like eight o'clock in the blooming morning. Uh, Sharon says, I see your favourite Spice Girl is joining them for the last time in the closure of the Olympics. Is that going ahead? Is that definitely going? We're not sure about that going ahead. I'm not sure if uh, if the Spice Girls are going to appear or if it was publicity. I, d- I mean, I- either way, I know that we've got the farmyard, I think, to look at. We've got some men digging the road and then we've got some other things taking place in the middle. But then at the end ceremony, I thought it was the Who. I thought the Who were doing the end ceremony. And now it appears to be the Spice I'm assuming that they must have something up their sleeve so they can go, da-da, big surprise, because they had a big rehearsal yesterday. And the one thing that people were sworn to is secrecy. They said, listen, don't, don't ruin it for everybody. So don't, don't go back and tell people about it. Let's, ha- let's have it as a big surprise. So that's why I said yesterday, I quite like the idea of having a surprise, as long as it's not David Beckham. If you notice, Grinning Dave turned up in every paper today because they were having some pictures done for the Olympics and he was hiding. And he just loves the publicity. At one time, he was, he was actually quite shy. Now he's actually got as bad as her and they both revel in it. You know, he'll turn up to the opening of a fridge... You know, anything where here comes David Beckham again. Apparently one of the kids was so excited he burst into tears. Such is the impact of Brand Beckham. But I mean, as I say, Dave, Dave is not the brightest penny in the box. And then, of course, the voice was suffering the other day. This is the voice that suffered when we had it on the television, mainly because it was just rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Down and out rubbish. Pap for television. And f- was it five people? Seven people turned up for the, uh, for the auditions. 
They're never going to make a programme out there. Seven people turned up for the auditions. So in the end, they sent everybody home. What can you do about it? There's, there's nothing you can do at all. Then you've got the bloke in America. This is the, uh, the cinema gunman in court. So, of course, this is now an excuse, isn't it, for everybody over here to bring out, you know, behavioural experts. So Judy James is trotted out again because she's an expert on, on body language. And they say, what's his body language? As far as I'm concerned, they brought the death penalty back in Colorado. They brought it back in a few years ago. Let's not waste time with a court case. Let's just execute him. That's, I mean, it's a classic case for bringing back the death penalty. This is going to drag on for days. America loved this kind of thing. And unlike the courts over here, everything over there is televised. That's why you've got pictures. If this was in this country, you'd never have any pictures coming out of court. And here are the Cray twins sitting in the dock accused of murder. You'd never ever see that picture. In America, you see them walking in. In, in Norway, you're watching again a mass murderer. People are obviously determined to put their mark on society. Just execute them. They aren't mentally ill. There's nothing the matter with these people. They're just vile people. So we treat them the way we treat vile people. If you've got a, a canker or a cancerous growth, you get rid of it. So they've got pictures of him in court. As I say, you would never see that in this country. If somebody had mown down an entire school, you wouldn't ever see pictures of them. You'd see them going in with a blanket over their head. In America, they just sit there and people happily take pictures and chat to them. You've seen the way they're talking to this mass murderer in Norway. He's chatting, hello, hello, how are you? I'm good day, yeah, nice day today. You murdered, you know, 60 people. And now you've got this other person here sort of trying to pretend as if he's sort of, he's falling asleep at one point, he's doing that. Whether he's been given drugs, I've got no idea. Just give him a lethal injection, get rid of him. You don't need pond life like that. But it, it'll drag on. The naked rambler's now been arrested again. Oh, why don't they just chop it off and make it so much easier, wouldn't it? But uh, this time they had to arrest him because he'd, he'd wandered into a, a children's play park. You know, and you don't want, uh, don't want that kind of thing going on. So they, they've arrested him again. He spent most of the past six years in prison, actually, in solitary confinement. I mean, he's quite clearly a bit stupid. I don't have any problem with somebody taking their clothes off and sitting on a nude beach or something like that or having a bath or a shower. I mean, it's a bit risky, I know, if you're having a shower, you know, without any clothes on. But some people do it very daring people. And so, so now, and he, he just wanders about with nothing on. Why can't he just wear a pair of pants? You know, nobody would have a problem. If he's trying to make a statement, you know, this is me naked. Okay, great. We've seen it. It's not big and it's not clever. So why don't you just put a pair of pants on and then you can walk around. Much, much easier, isn't it? Um, what else did we find in the papers? Oh yes. Sorry. It wasn't seven people turned up for the voice. It was five, five people, five people. <laughs> turned up for the uh, t- to be signed up. They don't have, I think, Tom Jones on this one. Thank God for that. But they've got Will I Am, so you're going to have to put up with that dreary old uh, so-and-so. And I think uh, Danny O'Donoghue from the script or whatever it is is going to be there as well. So uh, you've got that. But uh, I don't know why they even bothered bringing the show back, but they paid so much for it. I suppose they have to do something. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Or and I love the story that Duncan was doing about paying people cash. I pay people cash. Not, not admittedly when I have anything done on the car, but if I was having a boiler put in, or I was having some work done at home, then I would, I would pay cash. I mean, how do you... I mean, I'm, what do you think? These, these, these tradesmen carry around little machines. So you process it. No, I mean, years ago, you wrote, 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 uh, wrote out a cheque, wouldn't you? Write, write a cheque out for them, that'd be fine. Now it's cash. I just go to the bank, get some money out. When I did my boiler, I paid him cash. And they then say, well, I'll knock off the VAT, because that's how it works. Now they're saying, oh, no, we can't have things like that. That's, that's really, really awful. Paying a cleaner in cash is morally wrong. I've never heard of anybody who doesn't pay their cleaner in cash. I mean, if you're lucky enough to have a cleaner, great. But you absolutely, you know, you absolutely 
pay people in cash. I don't know. They, they wouldn't operate anywhere. Imagine if you get your little Filipino cleaner around, or whoever they're from, and you go, by the way, in future, I'll be paying you by sort of direct debit. What? No, they want cash. I mean, they actually say here it's morally wrong. He said it's as bad as tax avoidance. Well, of course, it was the whole idea. What's the point of doing it if it's not to, you know, to, to avoid tax? That's what people do it for. You don't want to pay tax. Although, in theory, every single one of you who does a car boot sale is supposed to go out and you're supposed to declare your earnings from car boot sales. They nicked a couple the other day to car boot because they, they'd been watching them for ages. They were, they were selling all sorts of strange things. But uh, they'd obviously earned enough money. They never declared a penny piece. So I think one of them's gone to prison. And the other one's been left with a huge bill of, like, 20 grand or something stupid. Because whatever you earn at a car boot, I know you think that it's just a little bit of extra money in your pocket, 60 quid, 70 quid. It's taxable. It's earned income. You're supposed to declare it. Nobody does. Nobody does. I'd be lying if I said, you know, well, everybody declares it as tax because they blubber well don't. People just put it in their pocket and go, thank you very much indeed. And some people, it, it, it appears like a business. You know, they, they turn up in, in the transit van and they sort of lay everything out and you think... God, this, is a, this isn't just somebody selling a few old clothes and a few DVDs. This is serious business that's going on here. I mean, as far, as far as I'm concerned, I let everybody do anything like that. I couldn't care less. Listen, everybody's doing it to avoid tax. Everybody's doing it. Oh, I found, I found my thing the other day. I spent ages. Well, Joe, Jimmy Carr was totally legal. Totally legal. He didn't do anything that was not approved by the government. You know, you can't... Listen, anybody who's got loads of money... You know, if you're listening, Gary, uh, you know, has got all this, this money and you want to make sure that you've got it for the rest of your life. You don't want to hand it over to the tax man. So these people who've got loads, I'm not talking about little people like me and you. We don't qualify because we don't earn enough money to worry about sort of putting it in offshore accounts. As I say, the only offshore account I could have would be probably be Blackpool. You know, there'd be nothing, nothing further than that, I'm afraid. But, you know, Jimmy Carr puts 3.3 million. Admittedly, he did, he, he did what he thought was honourable. He was, he was only doing it. He didn't know that there was nothing the matter with it. He was doing it to try and save tax. Perfectly legal way of doing it. All right. So there's that bloke called Mr Loophole who gets all the speeding footballers off because they've got the money. He goes through the books and he finds out exactly what you can do to get these people off. Like the people who turn up in court, they can't remember who was driving the car. Who was driving the car? No idea. Well, there's only two of you. Which one was it? Pff, can't remember. They get away with it. Ridiculous, isn't it? Absolutely ridiculous. Anyway, quarter past four. Nice heavy company. It's LBC 97.3. And guess who's got tickets for the beach volleyball? Only Prince Harry. Good old Harry. Yeah, they're in the front row watching the old jigglies. He'll love it. This is LBC 97.3. London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Getting that warm Olympic feeling getting that sort of cuddling kind of moment. You're getting that, give us a gold. I'm getting that kind of feeling at the moment. I think we should get some golds. I hope we're going to get lots of golds. I'll, I'll run through on, on Friday what my predictions will be. I think you'll find they're roughly the same as most other people. There's a couple of, couple of surprises in there. I've been sort of studying form, as they say. I haven't got quite as bad as going to a betting shop. But Duncan was quite right. They're all over the high street at the moment. And the, um, even the Hippodrome, which is open now, 24 hours a day, you can go and gamble in there. You don't need to be a member. And you just walk in and you can play on their, their fruit machines. They've got the big fruit machines. But they don't have a whole load of them. When you go to Vegas, it's just wall-to-wall fruit machines. You cannot move. And, of course, people walk up and down. But Duncan was quite right. It's a machine. It's a machine. The whole... And they're so sophisticated now. I wouldn't play anything that doesn't have proper reels that go round. Because some of them now are like video screens. And to be honest with you, it's a fixed machine. The odds are stacked against you. And when you play in a betting shop, 90% of the machines are all linked together. You're playing the whole country. 
So if somebody wins a lot of money in Blackpool, the machines will start taking back in again. You know how much a machine in a betting shop takes in a week, don't you? One fruit machine, 40,000 quid. 40,000 quid a week, one machine. That's why they have them in there. People go in, I've seen people put, put uh, you know, goes on credit cards. And the person behind the counter pushes a button and it racks up credits. They go, machine three, and it racks up 20 quid. You can't put your card in the machine, unlike Vegas, where you can put credit cards in machines. I mean, I'm not really that bothered about gambling. Used to be, years ago. Never did betting shop, because I never understood it. But I did do fruit machines. I would go into a pub with friends, and I would, I would look around and see where the machine was located. And in my pocket, I have a little bag with 21-pound coins in it. And I would, I would gamble £20. I was that rich. I, I could put £20 in. Now you could put a £20 note into one of these machines. It goes, and swallows it straight away. It's a bit like, a, a bit like your Oyster card. And it takes the money in. And it's very addictive. You, you, you go to Vegas, and you'll see little old ladies playing three or four machines at a time. They'll have a bank of them. They're, they're playing. And woe betide you if you try and muscle in. Because they, they think it's lucky. I've seen people put their hand over the reels before now. Because, and they think, it's, they think if, if they tap the side of it, it's going to shake. It's a machine. It's a machine. You're playing a machine. It, it knows what you're going to go for. If, if it's one of those high-low machines and it comes up with, it's, it's got numbers 1, one to 12 and, and 10 comes up, your immediate reaction is, wait a minute, it's got to go lower. So you go lower, the machine thinks, no, of course I know you're going to go lower, and it goes higher. So you, you've got a 10 and you push lower and up comes 11. And you think, well, what are the odds of that? And the answer is, it's a machine. You're playing a machine, but if you play them in the betting shops, you're playing the whole country. They're all linked together. Most of them are linked together. Not all of them, but there's a good 90% are all in there. But they take about 40 grand a week. That's why there's betting shops all over the place. I'd love to have a betting shop. Dead boring, though, is it? Just a lot of old men sitting around with bits of paper, looking at bits of paper stuck to the wall and then watching the television. I mean, how dull is that? I mean, how addictive is that? Answer is, it's very, very addictive for a lot of... I know a number of people in, in Twickenham that do gamble, and I've seen people winning a lot of money on the fruit machines in the betting shops. Because we, we do have an amusement arcade in... How it keeps going, I've got no idea. I've never seen about three people in there. But obviously there must be enough money being made off these three people to warrant them there, because they've been there as long as I've been living there, which is donkey's ears. So when you watch people gambling in the betting shops, you know, it's, it's big business. It's big, big business. Uh, 84850. Uh, the weather for today. Oh, I'm afraid the, uh, the weather for today. It's, uh, it's going to be hot again, I'm afraid. It's, it's 30 degrees. 30 degrees. Uh, which, of course, is, is my least favourite day. And uh, that's what they've said. So third, double it. So it's going to be about 87, 88, 90 degrees. Oh, God, I can't, I can't think of anything worse. I did get back home yesterday. Russia. And watered the hanging baskets, which took forever. And then, actually, I went out there and I nearly bought... I went to the garden centre. So I wanted to buy a new sprinkler from the things. Because my one appeared to be leaking. And, do you know, God must have been looking after me yesterday. Because I sort of... I, I, I get to the garden centre. I walk around. I can't find any of these adapters that I wanted. And so, uh, in the end, I left it. And uh, I was on the phone to a friend of mine. So I, I get home. And, and I cut the old hose off, and I put it again into the machine, tighten it up, and then on the bottom of my sprinkler, I tighten that up, worked perfectly. So I saved myself about £25. I was, I was a bit pleased yesterday. I thought we had a bit of a result. But I did water. I drenched and drenched and drenched. But then they've said, by this weekend, the heavens are going to open. Enjoy the weather for today, if you're not feeling very well at the moment. And, uh, and this, this heat does make me feel a bit, uh, bit sicky-poos, I'm afraid. I do get to that stage where I think, oh, I really can't. In fact, I went out yesterday... And uh, had to go to where did I go to? Chemist. I had to go to the chemist, 
And so I go and see Mr. Shah. We go and sort of sort a few bits and pieces out. And I go back to the thing. And already the heat is affecting me. I'm now sweating profusely. I don't do heat. Although this morning, actually, I thought I, thought I got up early. But at Sandy's, they're up at the crack of dawn. Stuart was outside the shop when I left this morning. There's only me on the road. Just me and the driver. And, uh, and he's outside the shop with his, his van driver, who's obviously either just got back from, uh, from Billingsgate, or wherever they get fish from now, or just going off to Billingsgate, presumably just going off to Billingsgate. Because sometimes when I get home, they've just arrived back in, so he must be going off now. But this is, like, really early in the morning. And, of course, I suddenly realised everybody's got to be up earlier. That's why all the deliveries are going to be from 2 o'clock in the morning, because you will not be able to get your vans through to do anything. So everything's going to have to move backwards. So we have to accommodate the Olympics, which is great. But, I mean, they're going to be absolutely exhausted later on. I feel so sorry for them. Uh, tonight it'll be warm and sunny, dry and clear, feeling humid, 20 degrees. OK, Thursday I'll give you dry, sunny and hot. Friday, risk of showers. Saturday, dry, bright and breezy. I don't mind. I mean, the trouble is it's the, it's the cycling, isn't it? On fr- is it cycling Friday, Saturday? And I'm just a bit worried. We don't really want any wet roads, I'm afraid. We don't want any accidents as they whiz round. I can't wait to see the speeds they're going to be doing, because I'm assuming it's going to be quite serious. Somebody told me 60 miles an hour they got up to on the Champs-Élysées. On a cycle. On a cycle. Saturday, dry, bright and breezy, and I've got no idea what it is on Sunday, but I have a feeling, from, from what I remember earlier when I was watching the television, they did say that Sunday the rain was going to come down quite heavy. So that'll sort of, you know, sort us all out. Uh, Joe would like to see Tom Daly along with Steve Redgrave and Daly Thompson, or maybe Bradley Wiggins on his bike carrying the flame to bring the torch to the opening ceremony. Um, yes, I mean, I, I think Steve Redgrave. I mean, it has, doesn't it not have to be Steve Redgrave? I know very kindly a number of you have recommended me for the post, and, but I'm busy, I'm afraid of washing the cat. Washing the cat. Um, but uh, I'd quite like to do it. You know, it'd be quite a fun thing to do. Perhaps they should have a sort of um, an, an assemblance of radio presenters. You could you could pick loads of radio presenters. They can go and this is because nobody knows they never use radio presenters, do they? They they never use. And of course, they don't have to nip back to listen to Ian Dale's coverage of the of the opening ceremony because he'd be talking about me. He'd be talking about and there's Steve Allen, resplendent in a turquoise tracksuit. Here he comes up to the podium. Oh no, he's fallen over. Oh dear, <laughs> another disaster. I'm afraid. I wouldn't mind having a go at it. I wouldn't mind. I was, I, they used to do programmes on the television years ago, the, the, the Anne Robinson thing, and they never ever did a whole host of radio presenters. I was, it's always the same people that popped up every time. You know, there was never anybody from, you know, sort of, like, you know, it, it really should be Nick Ferrari on there and me and, uh, well, perhaps not me, but then a few other people. But they, they never did anything like that. Never mind, never mind. I did laugh, though, the other... I have to tell you, I did laugh. Because there's, um, uh, there's, there's a bloke I know called Chris who's leaving doing his uh, radio show. And uh, and he earns approximately, well, I thought, about £600,000 a year, which is like, he must be offshore. He must be offshore. There's no way if you've got £600,000, you're going to keep that. And and so he earns about £600,000. But he's, he's finishing doing the programme. And the person who's replacing him is, is obviously hasn't got an agent because he's being paid for the same show, 180000 And I'm thinking, duh. Either he needs to get an agent pretty quick or the outgoing Chris will be going because <laughs> he was getting the 600,000. I think one of the papers said it was 450,000. I thought, these people need to come out to the real world. They're, they're paid way below the standard stuff, way below. And as for this poor bloke coming in, who's very pretty, might or might not be gay. We don't know. He doesn't want to talk about his private life, but he's friends with Pixie Geldof. 
OK? So that kind of gives me a rough idea that he can't be gay if he's friends with Pixie Geldof. And, and yet, you know, think Dolce, I know. She, I mean, to be honest with you, if you if you turned up at a party and Pixie Geldof was, I'd be straight out the door, I'm afraid. I wouldn't want to hang around too much. I'm not a big fan of the Geldof sisters. Fifi, Trixabel, Pixie and Peaches. I mean, what a, what a conglomeration. But anyway, so he's there. But 180,000. So either he's got a really bad agent or failing that they've got him so cheap that, that it's an embarrassment. He needs to go back and renegotiate. But I suspect it might be too late by now. He, he probably went, 180? Really? Oh, I'll take that. Without realising that that's way below the, uh, the business standards. But I'm sure Chris will be laughing. <laughs> As, uh, as indeed he does. Anyway, uh, we talked about the Olympic logo yesterday. It's all over the place. But apparently Stephen Hayes did some investigation on this one for my, my good self and said the Olympic logo in Greece's former national airline, Olympic Airways, the first logo of the airline was a white eagle bearing a resemblance to a propeller featuring five rings and the name Olympic. 1959, Aristotle Onassis asked his associates to design a new logo and the coloured rings were created. He wanted to copy the five coloured rings of the Olympic emblem, but the International Olympic Committee claimed the rights to the emblem, so a new six-ring logo was introduced. The first five stand for the five continents, while the sixth stands for Greece. Thank you very much indeed. I'm not sure whether I believe it, but it it, it sounds fairly believable at this time of the morning. Uh, I didn't see, Noreen, thank you for mentioning the Olympic torch. What they've done is, I mean, isn't it funny how you can get something that that is real crossing into something that's not real? So in Walford, they got the Olympic torch and it was done live. I think it was something like a 20 camera shoot and they brought in extra kids and everything else. And so Perry Fennick was able to run with the Olympic torch. Isn't that funny that you you can actually sort of move it into a television programme that isn't even real? And there's the Olympic torch. Because, bearing in mind, the reason they had to do it live was because everything they do in EastEnders is filmed six weeks ago. So that's why they've got all those greenhouses down there to bring plants on earlier than they would normally be. It's a nightmare if it snows. It's an absolute nightmare. Poor old Emmerdale had a, had a field day with it last year. Because the whole country was just under a blanket of snow. Emmerdale, brilliant sunshine. It was like, let's go to Emmerdale for our holidays because they've got no snow. The rest of the country couldn't move. And then, strangely enough, when the rest of the country had all thawed out, Emmerdale got snow. <laughs> You're looking at all these people putting their Wellington boots on in the morning, and I'm thinking, no, we have sunshine today. They're going, but not in Emmerdale. In Emmerdale, the season changes, which is lovely. So, uh, thank you for that, Noreen. Wish Michelle and Lou a lovely time from the girls, please. Off Oop North. Not too far north. Oop, north. I love that idea. And uh, she says, I wonder how many people sponsor dogs at Dogs Trust. Bridget and I had brilliant news yesterday. The dog we sponsor, Phil, age seven, Phil the dog, has found a home, so it's good news. He's at Shoreham. So we now have a new sponsor dog. I have Maddie. Oh, Maddie. I've got a friend called Maddie, actually, who's probably listening to this programme even as we speak. Uh, it's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. You're very welcome. 84850 steve at or 08456060973. Any of those you can access or you can tweet at Steve Allen Show at LBC 973. It's just so easy. 4.30. <laughs> Morning. Nice to have your company. It's uh, good news for Johnny. He says, I've just chased some thieving scum who are loading up their golf convertible with bags of goods left outside charity shops in Eltham High Street. Let them know the police have circulated their number plate. Expect to knock on the door, boys. Yes, unfortunately, unfortunately, and here is where the dilemma is, and much as though I share your anger and hatred of people who thieve, if something is left on the pavement, they can take it. 
If it's inside the shop, they can't. And that's why all the charity shops say, please don't leave stuff on the pavement, because people take it. We used to have a couple who lived in Hounslow. They probably still do live in Hounslow. And I used to watch them thieving on Sunday morning from the charity shops and then going to the car boot sale and then selling it. So what, And then coming back and dumping outside on the pavement stuff they didn't want. I've watched Romanian couples round our way in our car park sorting through bags of clothes and leaving them strewn all over the place and just nicking the stuff they want. Because if it's on the pavement, you can take it. It's classed as rubbish. I know. I'd Listen, don't preach to me about it. I've watched it for years. I think these people are the lowest of the low. Although I, we did find the lowest of the low the other day. Remember that woman who died with her boyfriend in a tunnel and all the, uh, all the earth came in and everything else? While they were stuck in there, breathing their last, thieves broke into a house. Thieves broke into a house and stole her antique silver. You just, I mean, just lose all faith, don't you, really? You lose all faith. You hope that you can catch them and just hang them. Quietly, you know, so that nobody knows about it. We get, oh, I didn't, didn't realise we, we didn't have the death penalty anymore. Uh, I wonder how many viewers Corey has lost, says Nathan, as a result of this ridiculous Nathan, uh, sorry, Roy and Mad Mary storyline. Although I said, he said, I wouldn't be surprised as the country is so mad if the storyline actually gained viewers. Oh, it's, it's just stupid. It's, it's too ridiculous for words. They, they do it in EastEnders. They, they give you silly storylines, which you know, because you know the characters, you know that the storylines are not very believable. So... When we had Roy, I mean, Roy and Haley have been together years in, in Coronation Street. He runs the cafe. He's a rather simple man. He just goes about his life. The very idea that he plays chess, it's never been mentioned before. All of a sudden, he now plays chess and uh, Mad Mary, who frankly, I mean, should have been locked up ages ago. The woman's a liability to acting. It's, it's just, it's such a ridiculous character. It's not, it's not believable. It's just silly. It's like the, it's like Sunita. And uh, and Dev, you know, the very idea that they could actually be a couple. He just is creepy. But she's been having an affair with the bloke from the pub. Still trying to get to grips with uh, with Michelle's uh, accent for up north. That's a bit bit of a difficult one on that one, I think. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't quite work for me. Uh, if you are coming into town today, just remember, allow extra time. Allow extra time. Yesterday took people an extra two hours to get in an extra two hours and uh, a lot of lot of short tempers going on okay so just make sure you leave in plenty of time today and now that we've sort of got most of the barriers in place they're still doing the uh, the roads outside they're still painting little bits of the road and i'm still watching the, the images on the television of this man who committed that atrocity in america and i'm thinking why are they going through the uh, the ridiculous scenario of a court case we know he's guilty it's like in in norway the man is guilty we know he did it he's admitted he did it why don't they just... But they're, they're sort of treating him as if he's some sort of celebrity over there. You know, everybody's shaking hands, being very polite. And in America, they've got this uh, this teenager who... Uh, I mean, every so often in America, you get it throws up another another person who's not mentally ill. There's nothing to do with that. What they are is they're just nasty people who want to make a name for themselves. And so they sit there, and yet he's been perfectly able and free to buy bullets, guns and everything. And nobody thought it was odd. You kind of feel like saying to them, you know, you almost get what you deserve. If guns are that easy to get hold of, they have a programme which is a bit, a bit like uh, take stuff in and, um, and, and you can swap it for things. It's like a pawnbroker. And they have guns. They have guns on sale in there. So people go and they buy handguns. I don't know what the, what the criteria is. I suppose it depends on what state you are. Presumably you've got to be over 18 and presumably you've got to hold some sort of licence. 
But it's, it seems so easy to actually get these things. That's why there's so many shootings over there. How many times have we reported on this station a shooting in America? As, you know, a gunman has opened fire at a university campus, you know, and left 24 people dead. And, and we just automatically take it for granted now. So it comes as no surprise to me that there's another one. There'll be another one next year as well. Every year there seems to be somebody else and they have their moment in court. Unless they actually give him the death penalty, which would probably be the best thing. Just take him out of the equation. I wouldn't have any problem. I don't know, you might have a problem bringing back the death penalty. I always think that there is an element of doubt. But if it is beyond any question of doubt whatsoever, then the death penalty applies. I think that that would make it that would make it better, wouldn't it? Make it so much easier. Also give some kind of closure to the people who lost loved ones. He was totally indiscriminate. He didn't care whether he killed... These people don't. They don't care. It's like in Syria. They don't seem to care, do they, that they massacre children. I'm sick to death of seeing pictures on the television of sort of children's bodies being carried out or just, you know, on the ground, and you think they haven't even started life yet. And somebody's taken that life away. Colin says, I heard you mention, Steve, that the temperature there in London will be up to 30 degrees tomorrow. Well, I'd kill for temperatures of 30 degrees. Here in the Toronto, Ontario uh, area today, our temperature is in the mid-30s, and with humidity... Uh, in the low 40s, 41 degrees to be precise, our weather is expected to cool down tomorrow when it will only be in the low 30s. And the coldest we're expected to be this week is 31 degrees. I cannot wait until we're back down in the mid-20s. But sadly, I do not expect any extended periods of temperature that low for at least another month. Oh, dear. See, I, I, would, I couldn't go out. I couldn't. I have to sit in the car in air conditioning. I mean, luckily I've got air conditioning at home, but it's, I just sit there, whereas my neighbour, she loves the weather. She can't wait for it. The moment the sun is out, whoosh, she's up there sunbathing on the balcony. She loves it. Me, can't stand it. And there's probably a lot of other people out there. Although, some, do you not find, you go out on a day like today, and it will be hot 30 degrees later on, there'll be somebody walking down the street with an anorak on and a jumper. Guaranteed. I don't know where they come from. I'm only assuming they've got ice strapped to their body. Because they walk out there, and they quite clearly do not feel the heat. So they're out there. There will be somebody going out in an overcoat today. <laughs> I can, they're probably listening to this show quite now. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, another one. Um, if you've got tickets for the Olympics, looking forward to it? You should be. You should be. You should really be looking forward to it. Yesterday in the papers, I didn't mention it because I just thought she was a show-off. And that's Lord Steele's wife, Judy, who decided to have a tattoo. She's always been a bit of a, of, of, of a renegade. She was always wearing sort of the, uh, the, the caftans and everything else before anybody else was. And so she's had a, a tattoo at the age of 70. And people have gone, what a silly old woman you are. Now, to be honest, if that's what she wants to do. She can have it. It is a bit silly. You know, it's 70 years old and poor old David Steele, he was never much cop as a politician. He really wasn't. They just, they give them lordships, you know, they hand them out like sort of bag of chips or something. There you go. You could be Lord Steele and Judy, you, you've got a tattoo. It's like, it's like John Burko and his barking mad wife. You know, she's the attention seeker. He's just getting on with it, hoping it all blows away. But, of course, it won't, I'm afraid. Uh, a fruit machine is as addictive, <clears throat> they say here, as crack cocaine. Now, I might actually agree with that. I don't, I've never done crack cocaine, so I could sit here with hand on heart and go, I have been addicted to fruit machines, and I do understand why people... Now, I've, I've grown out of it. So, when I went to Vegas last year... We stayed in a hotel with some fruit machines in it. In fact, it is not possible to stay anywhere in Vegas without staying in a hotel with fruit machines because they've all got them. They've all got... In fact, they've got them at the airport. The moment you sort of walk off the aeroplane, there's fruit machines. You can play in the back of a car, you can play in your hotel room, you can play anywhere you like. 
They're addicted to fruit machines. They love fruit machines and they turn over an awful lot of money. And I can stand there and watch people playing that. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. In fact, the funny thing in Vegas was that they're all standing there with oxygen cylinders. Seriously, they've got oxygen cylinders next to their, their chairs and they sit there and they get cups of tea and, and, uh, and drinks and stuff like that. And it's, it's pensioner heaven. They absolutely love it there, and obviously, you know, they've saved their money and they like having a little gamble. Doesn't bother me at all now. And yet at one time, you know, I mean, I, I don't mind looking at fruit machines. I'm, I'm fascinated by them, but I, I don't really want to put money in. Used to do it in uh, Twickenham. We would walk past the betting shop, Graham, who I go for a walk with, and um, and we'd go, should we have 20 quid? And we'd go 20, and then we kind of lost that one as well. Not Not really that interested anymore, which is good. I love any story to do with diabetes, being a diabetic. And according to a report in the Mail today, two slices of cheese could reduce the risk of developing diabetes. Unfortunately, if you've already got diabetes, you're kind of a bit stuck with it. You know, I like the idea. They say here, uh, scientists have discovered it may actually help prevent diabetes, an illness triggered often by being overweight. If you eat two slices of cheese a day, it cuts the risk of type 2 diabetes by 12%. Now, I think that's actually quite good. I mean, I've had it for so long now, I don't even think about it. <clears throat> but I do get told off on a regular basis. People are writing and go, I can't believe what you eat as a diabetic. But different people, different things. You know, there are cer- certain things which I, which I can't have, which I would quite, I would quite like a doner kebab occasionally. <laughs> I would quite like a doner kebab. I would, I would quite like some Indian food occasionally. But because of all the, uh, all the ghee and everything else in it, it just sends me around the twist. So I can't have anything like that. I could have, I could have chicken tikka, provided it was just dry. But chicken tikka masala, which I adore, and mushroom bhaji, I can't have things like that. Chinese food, can't really have very often. So, but, but you just learn, because if you actually sit down and itemise what you can't have. I haven't had orange juice for years. And I love orange juice. I used to drink myself stupid with Tropicana. Oh, I could drink, I could drink a vat of the stuff. But I've not had it for such a long time now. And I keep thinking, perhaps I could have a little orange juice. And uh, I didn't get my watermelon out the... No, I didn't find the watermelon juice at all. No, I've got a watermelon in the back of the car at the moment. It's so big. I don't think I've got a knife big enough to cut the thing. But I'll have to eat it at some point today, because this is one that hasn't got any pips in it. And I, yeah, I mean, I suppose you could just sort of cut a hole, pour vodka into it, and then sort of just let it marinate. And then sort of eventually drink. <laughs> That's what somebody else said you should do with it. But uh, I don't know. I'm not even supposed to have watermelon either. Because of the sugar content. So, in fact, it's really quite boring at the moment. And there's nothing really at the moment, so I'm just living on bread and water. Oh, no, can't have bread. I do beg your pardon. Can't have bread now because it's fattening. But I do drink the lemon juice in the morning, but it's so boring. It's so boring. I sometimes need a bit of a hit with, with sugar just to sort of kick-start the day. Because you know, I'm fine when I wake up, but I always have a, a, a quick slurp of coconut water. Because I love my coconut water, my Vito Loco coconut water. So I have a glass of that before I sort of start the day. Take my tablets, do my usual ablutions and everything else. And then get in here and try and have a little bit of sugar and then have my lemon juice. And I tell you, that's the boring part of the day. Oh, God. Can't wait for the opening ceremony. We can actually actually have an alcoholic drink. But I can't have too much of that because apparently that's full of sugar. I actually sold a case of wine to my neighbour Lynn the other day. Because she said, oh, I need to go out and get some wine. I said, I've got a spare case. I've stopped drinking wine. She said, all oh, right, what are you drinking now? I said, well, I've got a little bit addicted ever since one of my bosses bought me a bottle of Grey Goose. Well, I mean, it's just addictive. This, I mean, you could, you could just lie down and tip the bottle into your mouth. I mean, it's t- I blame her completely. I blame her for two things, actually. Firstly, getting me addicted to Pret-a-Manger's bacon rolls in the morning, which if you don't get them by half past seven, they've gone. 
because they only put a limited amount out and they just go. The bacon is the best I've ever tasted. Normally the bacon is, is quite rubbish at these places, but the Pret-a-Manger bacon, I think it's Danish. Uh, sorry, not Danish, Canadian bacon. It just tastes... I'm, I'm quite good at identifying various... Various bacon. And this is delicious. It's really got a good flavour to it. Very, very good flavour. Mainly all these places that do bacon rolls, they're, they're using cheap bacon. That's why they've got no taste to them. But uh, these ones are quite nice. So I blame her for that. And she bought me a bottle of Grey Goose. Well, I mean, well, that went ages ago. I mean, that just didn't last five minutes. Ridiculous, isn't it? These addictions you get. And then people are worrying about fruit machines. Least of my worries, a fruit machine. Least of my worries. I could get addicted to the Olympic Games. I could get very, very addicted to us winning gold medals. And I could get quite addicted to uh, anticipating who's going to be there at the opening ceremony and who's going to be lighting the flame. More after this. London's biggest condiment. Morning, poor old Jason, who does the uh, the old Warburton's bread. He said, I won't be seeing you for two months because all my roots have gone on nights for eight weeks. <gasps> is that That's because of the Olympics, is it? Johnny says, funny you should mention donor kebabs. I've got type 2 diabetes and a month ago had a large donor and chips. When I went to bed, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. Yes, I mean, you just absolutely can't eat it. I mean, I used to, oh, I used to love a large donor on a Friday night and wrap it round the chips. How bad was that? But, uh, yes, you do think, you get into bed, you can't breathe. So it's it's fatal for us, I'm afraid. He says, also, major headaches and blood pressure went sky high. Yeah, I mean, it's, I used to have a, a cab driver uh, who um, who was a black guy. And a lot of, a lot of black uh, guys, and ladies as well, have diabetes, it's something, you know, there's a lot of Asian people who've got diabetes as well. But he was terrible. He would, say, he would, he would pick me up and he'd go, morning, Steve. i go, morning. i said, he'd, he'd sit there drinking a milkshake. i go, you're not drinking. He said, yeah, I love milkshakes. I said, you can't have milkshakes. It's full of sugar. It's absolutely full of sugar. And he said, oh, I said, but I do like them. And he was terrible with his diabetes. I mean, he was terrible. I mean, he really was bad. And he was a big bloke as well. Big bloke. Because he, he enjoyed all his McDonald's, enjoyed his KFC. In fact, he enjoyed everything that did not contribute to a good life if you're a diabetic. I'm not saying, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a bowl of cherries out there. But uh, he was drinking all the right... But the milkshake, I should look at them and think, oh, I could just go a milkshake now. <laughs> just go a milkshake. <laughs> but I never did. So, another long-forgotten pleasure, I'm afraid. God, what a miserable day I'm having. I can't have any of this food and all this, all this talk about all this stuff is lovely. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Uh, other stories in the, uh, in the papers today. Apart from Olympic stories, and still people guessing, still people guessing uh, exactly who's going to be doing the Olympic flame. And we've got no idea... We just decided yesterday, though, we, just, we decided we didn't really want David Beckham. I don't want to see David Beckham's grinning face. I, I feel as though it's been hijacked by Brand Beckham, I'm afraid, and I don't, I don't want to see that. I'd rather it went to somebody else. Although, according to the Mirror this morning, they reckon Muhammad Ali will pitch up. I don't know why. What he's got to do with this country? It's our Olympic Games. I can understand it in America, but they used him in the American Olympic Games. I seem to remember Muhammad Ali pitching up there. Uh, Organisers have asked the boxing legend to lead a parade of sporting greats that would include David Beckham. A source said Ali is frail, but he'd love to be involved. It'd be fantastic. But he's nothing. To, this is our Olympic Games. What's the point of bringing back some people from America? Don't want any of that at all. But uh, they say here lots of heroes have signed up. And uh, from sporting legends to Hollywood stars and royalty, they're all flocking to London to be part of what is billed as the greatest show on earth, which it will be. I love all the big super yachts in. Oh, goodness, they're fantastic. Uh, they now say as well that uh, it could be Muhammad Ali, uh, Haile uh, Gibras, 
Well, anyway, that one. Uh, they're also saying Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, Prince Harry and the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge and Posh and Bex all due to attend Olympic charity events this week. Why? Can somebody explain to me why, why Victoria Beckham would have anything to do with the Olympics? I don't, I don't quite get that one at all. I, don't think she did. I mean, and, unless she is actually doing the, uh, the closing ceremony with the rest of the Spice Girls and they'll be miming. Because, and also, they've never played a stadium like that. This, this is going to be seen by millions of people. I mean, it's a bit of a coup if, if, if somebody gets it. But we don't, there's no evidence. There's no, nothing's filtered back. Normally, if somebody's rehearsing for something like this, oh, uh, tell you what you want, what you really, really want. And we'll be going, boo, get off the stage. <laughs> Go back to your Jenny Craig diet, for goodness sake. And, uh, and I don't think it'll happen. I don't think it's going to be then. Because somebody would have, somebody would have sneaked by now. Somebody would have somebody would have told. Somebody would have said, "I've seen them rehearsing. They're all turned up here, and uh, and I think they're all going to be singing." And you're going to go, "Oh, do you think so?" Um, yes, they, they, they don't need to rehearse. Now, who was that? Who said that they weren't going to be going because they didn't have any any rehearsal time? Somebody was asked about it, and they said, "No, definitely, we aren't going there." It was some supergroup, and they said, "Who was it? I can't remember who it was now." And they said, "No, definitely not us. Definitely not us." He said, "Because we haven't haven't got any time to rehearse." No, it wasn't the Who. The Who are definitely doing it. Well, as far as we know, they're definitely doing it. Uh, Bradley Wiggins has said, I'm not a celebrity. Oh, good. There you go. Somebody sensible at long last. Somebody who doesn't want to enter the media circus. Because I say, I'm, I can't get into cycling at all. I'm not, I'm not interested. Although I discovered a shop in Kingston that does electric bikes. Electric But I thought, I said to my neighbour, Lynn, I said, you know, I, could, I, I feel like getting an, an electric bike. And she said, what for? I said... Well, just a cycle. She said, you won't cycle anywhere, will you? I said, well, I don't know. I said, I might. And she said, no, but I'm, I'm going to go and have a look, actually, just out of, just out of a, a sense of duty and the fact that I, I feel I'm, I should get a bicycle. I won't use it, but I just feel I should get a bike. Or perhaps I will use it. I don't know, actually. Uh, other stories in the paper today. A charity man, a charity accountant, has been banged up for siphoning off money to buy old bangers. Brendan Joyce, 57, into prison. Because uh, he bought 105 cars, but he bought wrecks. He nicked 560,000, so I'm glad that he's been, uh, he's been jailed, which is good. Charlotte Hawkins, who was uh, labelled a wimp last month by uh, Eamon Holmes. Oh, where's the sofa gone? And uh, she apparently got locked in her dressing room yesterday, and viewers joked he was to blame. Apparently, last month he caused uproar when he called Charlotte Wimpy for challenging his view school bullying was just life and growing up. I know, it's funny that, isn't it? I thought Eamon Holmes would have a sense of humour, but apparently not. We didn't see it yesterday on the programme, and they had... What did they have on? They've got his, uh, his wife, because she's a little bit, you know, smiley, 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 smiley on the television. She's quite sweet, but she's got to stop the smoking, Malarkey. If she's smoking, she's got to quit that. I mean, that is really bad for you. Really bad for you. And also, she's, she's gone that route of sort of lots of different colours in her hair. Who was the woman who used to read the news on Channel 5? She's got lots of colours in her hair. Kirsty Young. Kirsty, little short thing. She was a little short tubby thing. And uh, what's on that tubby? But people used to say, when, when she first arrived on Channel 5, I know because we were in the same building, and people used to say, oh, Kirsty Young's here. She was only about two foot tall. And, uh, and they said, um, oh, she's got gorgeous legs. Nobody ever saw them. She never, ever wore a skirt. She only ever wore, wore trousers. Yes, I've seen some, uh, I've seen pictures of Arge and Gemma again. The two fat... Is this where she's flat on her back? God help us. What a ridiculously stupid couple they are. I mean, she is just simpleton. 
I mean, I've never known a woman of that age who is that stupid. I mean, you're right. I mean, it's, it's an awful indication of how bad Brentwood has become because it used to be fairly sophisticated. Well, it was never sophisticated, but it was quite nice. And now you've got stupid people opening up shops and everything else. They've got no... They just stand there wearing full makeup on. In fact, they're wearing less... They're wearing less makeup on the Boots makeup counter in Brentwood than they are in these... Because every time they go out, they're sort of like, you know, because we're celebrities. But the trouble is, it's like living in a, in a Peter Pan world. You feel they should all live in multicoloured houses and uh, an Arge and Gemma. Because actually, it's great they're actually going out. Great that they're actually going out, because it means that both of them can sit there and pretend that they really are attractive as they stuff their faces with what appears to be just about everything. I mean, she's as big as the house. Rolling Stones, who didn't have time to rehearse. That's right. The Rolling Stones, when they were asked, they said, no, we haven't, uh, we haven't had time to rehearse, and they do like to rehearse. Uh, lots of snogging for the extra podcast today. Apparently that's what you do at an Olympics party. Oh, dear. Shan't be going there, then. That snogging stuff. Awful. Awful. And uh, the mum who left her baby home alone was spared jail thanks to David Cameron's child pub blunder. This is uh, Maruf and her baby, a rather stupid woman of the first order. And um, they went out for a lunchtime drink. Well, the, the Prime Minister did. Left the kid. And uh, this particular woman left her seven-month-old girl indoors for an hour a day as she took her two other youngsters to school. She admitted child neglect. It carries a ten-year prison sentence, but she's been spared it. What's the point of having a prison sentence if they spare it? I mean, the woman's an idiot. You've only got to look at her to realise that she's stupid. And uh, she says, uh, um, a parent, the, the judge says, a parent makes mistakes in relation to children. I include myself in that statement. And so they, uh, they didn't jail her. Just ridiculous, isn't it? These, these people who leave care, it probably goes on all the time. It probably goes on all the time. It's just that it doesn't, I mean, I'm assuming somebody must have said something at some point where they, uh, the, the, the police must have gone round, or, or social services. I can't think of anything, anybody else who would know about it, because if you leave one of the kids in the house and you go off with the other two, who knows about that? Uh, good news uh, for, um, for Junior up there in Glasgow. My cancer is in full remission, and the future looks great. He says, I finished chemo. He says, let everybody know that cancer is not a death sentence. No, not absolutely. There's a very good book out called Living with Cancer. And it's for people who, who do get cancer and who think, oh, no, 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 no. But not for everybody. Not for everybody. Sometimes, you know, there are unfortunate, um, unfortunate people who do lose their lives to cancer. But, uh, you know, you can pull through it. You can pull through it. He says, I had the first diagnosis seven months ago. I was scared because I was a bit ignorant of cancer. So I learned everything I could to avail me of the knowledge of my illness. He says, I'm listening live because I have my own room. Thank you for all your support. He said, during bad days, it fairly lifts my spirits to hear the well wishes and to laugh at your lampooning of life's ridiculous absurdities. I had a cider last night. <laughs> he said, but it's pouring down, 14 degrees, and I'm going out to Turkey for a month tomorrow to visit my Turkish friends, but I'm podcasting. I should think so too. I come round and slap people on the back of the legs if they don't uh, podcast the programme. That's, uh, that's what we're in the business of. And, uh, and the, the more you podcast the happier the management are. And we don't like an unhappy management. We want happy people. I was interested uh, hearing uh, Duncan earlier on talking about this proposed ban by MPs for banning smoking in private cars. It's been agreed by peers and sent to MPs for consideration. How the dickens they're going to enforce that, I've got no idea. They can't even stop taxi drivers smoking. Licensed taxi drivers and, and the, and the minicabs. They all smoke. I see no end of black cab drivers going round, people with a fag on. You see that all the time. I don't know what the rules are. I see people sitting in lorries. I see dustmen around our area smoking in council vehicles. And yet there's quite clearly signs on there saying, do not smoke in this vehicle. But they do it. 
I must take some more photographs, actually. How they're actually going to enforce somebody driving down the road with a fag on, I've got no idea. They say that this bill, I mean, if, if ever it was enforceable, would outlaw smoking in cars which are carrying children with a penalty of a smoke-free awareness course at a first defence or a £60 fine. This is a bit like the driving awareness course, which they offer at the moment if you're caught speeding. And so, if they bring this in, and when you think about it, I remember watching British films where you'd walk into a room and everybody was smoking. It'd be like a haze of smoke. I can remember smoking in, a, in radio studios. I can remember smoking in buildings. Now, you don't even think about it. But the Tory MP... This is uh, Lord Ribeiro, says his smoke-free private vehicles bill nodded through the Lords, but the plan will inch closer to the statute books only if it's adopted by an MP in the Commons. He says, uh, somehow, he says, we need to make people aware of just how dangerous smoking is when you're in a car. I have seen people smoking in cars with all the windows done up. And I think that that probably... If you've got children in the car and the windows are done up and somebody's smoking, well, that's just irresponsible. That's absolutely irresponsible. So whether or not you can enforce this and how they'll bring it in, I don't know. If you're not a smoker, you probably don't understand it anyway. But if you are a smoker, you're thinking, what, you can't even smoke in your own car? What next? Not smoking at home? 84850, uk, or 0845 Uh Another one here, oh, also talking about donut kebabs. Which, of course, if you're a diabetic, you shouldn't be eating, as Johnny discovered. Went to bed, thought he was going to have a heart attack. Poor soul. Don't risk it again. When you get one chance in life, you don't want to blow the second one. News at five with Sam Pittis is next. On FM with Steve Allen. Morning, four minutes past five. Tuesday morning, we get ever nearer, ever nearer. It's going to, temperature's going to really bloom today. 30 degrees. Oh, I could say already. Uh, and John says, uh, just to say, I would never not pay my VAT. I'm rather too moral to avoid such deception. Sorry to be so boring. This is the story that's on the front of the mail today, which is uh, a government minister who is saying that paying cleaners and tradesmen cash in hand is morally wrong. Now, everybody does it. I don't care who you are. If you've got a cleaner, chances are you pay them in cash. If you've got a gardener, you pay them in cash. Chances are, if you're having a boiler put in or a tradesman coming round to paint, uh, he'll actually say, oh, uh, £300, Gov, and you go, for cash, you'll go, oh, I'll do it for 250 Because then he doesn't put it through the books, it's cash in hand. It was always called cash in hand. And what they're saying now is that if you make small cash payments, it is as bad as tax avoidance. That's the way they're now looking at it. And as I pointed out earlier, there was one couple who were doing a car boot sale, and they've just been, he's been jailed... I think, and she's been fined because they haven't paid any tax on their earnings. But they, they appear to have been running it as a business, as opposed to just a few of you who go out there and sell some old clothes or the kids' toys or household goods which you've got fed up with. They, they were selling sort of, I think, electrical items, but they weren't declaring anything. They were just, they were just pocketing the money. So uh, they got caught out because technically everything that you have that you make from a car boot set, you're supposed to declare. Nobody does. Well, in fact, if they do, I'd be very, very surprised. Most people, I think, actually would, would pocket the money. You just think of it as, listen, I bought these items, I'm now selling them on. Why would I have to pay, pay any tax on it? But, of course, it's unearned income, isn't it? Or it's earned income. So that's, uh, that's why there's a big, big problem with it. Uh, I'd love to know as well whether or not you're in favour of the death penalty uh, in the light of the, uh, the American shootings where 
Only in the American courts are you allowed to see the person who is accused sitting there. The cameras are on them all the time. Over here, you never get anything, even though they were talking a while ago about televising British courts. I would find it quite fascinating, and I would probably watch if they sort of uh, did it and then ran it overnight. That would make it very interesting. But here, we have this uh, innocent until proven otherwise. And uh, in America, they just film them all the way through. You know, you've got cameras inside the court. Uh, Nick says, I can't ever agree with state-sponsored cold-blooded murder, no matter what the crime. A second wrong can never make a right. It wouldn't be about closure, just revenge, and that's not acceptable in my eyes. Well, even if it's a member of your, your family who was, uh, who was murdered. You know, you come home and, God, God forbid, it should ever happen, and a member of your family, would, you would you be thinking nice charitable thoughts about the person? And thinking, no, I definitely wouldn't want the death penalty. You see, I think in America, I, th- I know in certain parts of the world, uh, it's the family of the person who's been wronged who decide whether the person gets the death penalty. I think that happens in Saudi. I think it's Saudi. Is it, is it Saudi or Iran or Tehran? Where, where the, the family are asked, do you want the, this person to be killed? And uh, the family have the right to actually say yes or no. I mean, there have been cases in the past where somebody's been executed and you know it's wrong. But I think if, it, if, it's, if it's beyond a shadow of a doubt that the person committed the crime, well, then I think perhaps we should bring back the death penalty. Unless, of course, you think it's, uh, it's, it, it's wrong. 0845 6060 973 or 84850 Um, uh, One here. It's a shame that you and all the other LBC presenters couldn't interview all the Olympic athletes after they have performed... The trouble is, after these people have performed, it's a, you're not going to get much of an interview out there. You only get about two words before they collapse, poor people. But, uh, yeah, take, take the point. No, it's, it's down to Ian Dale. Down to Ian Dale. And uh, Steve Allen, this is Leela. I was one of those people. When I was younger, I always wore a jacket, even on a very hot, sunny day. I was so self-conscious that I used to hide myself in my jacket. We saw... This is going to sound awful, this. We were having a cup of coffee the other day, Lynn and I. And there's this woman crossing the road in Twickenham with the biggest bosom I'd ever seen. She was quite an elderly lady, but quite clearly she wasn't wearing a bra. And I, what I, I promise you, I thought she was just extremely fat. But she had this enormous bosom. I mean, it was, it was gargantuan, this thing. And, it was, and I thought about it, and Lynn said, I think she needs to wear a bra. I said, I'm not sure they make bras in that size. But uh, talking about wearing jackets in the hot weather, because I get very hot, and I said that... Uh, you know, you do get people walking around. You can see people in the afternoon. Somebody will have a jumper on later on today. Honestly, you will. You, you, somebody will be walking around and you'll be going, you're wearing a jumper or a coat, which would be funny. Uh, Patrick says they'll get Will I Am to light the flame. He's been doing everything else in this country, hasn't he? Well, he's very friendly with Prince Charles. It should be the Queen. Do you think it should be the Queen? I'd like to see a member of the royal family. Yesterday, people were, were voting and sort of saying, maybe Princess Anne should light the flame. Uh, all I said yesterday was... As long as it's not David Beckham, please spare us from Brand Beckham again. You know, David Beckham grinning inanely, I can live without. Bring on, bring on an Olympian, find somebody who's, you know, 197, just find somebody who can come on and do it. And, and I, I don't want Brand Beckham, I don't want him anywhere near it. I just, I want somebody else, somebody different. I don't even want Muhammad Ali, I'm afraid. Sue, morning. Good morning, darling. Morning, morning. what a lovely day. Did you suffer yesterday in the heat? I think you are quite right. I think the Queen should light the torch. Yeah. It's her jubilee year. Yes. And I think she should do it. Do you think she should do it just coming in in a pair of lycra shorts, running round the stadium? No, 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 no. Oh. In all her 
finery. Oh, right, oh, right. As okay. normal. Yeah. As she would. So she's going to come in in the car, isn't she? Well, she can get so far in the car, can't she? And then yeah. that little walk, I don't think the little walk would hurt her, would No, it? no, no. I mean, she, put it this way, she's, she's fitter than a lot of people a third of her age. That's right, that's but, right. But, but as the head of the... Head of the Commonwealth, head of the country, as That's our correct. Queen, it should be down to her. That's correct. And it's her Jubilee year. Yes. Do you, so think, that, do you think they've thought about that? No, I don't think they have. The point. I, don't, I mean, I just think that they, they should cast the net a bit wider. Yes, yes. And, and let's face it, this country is the Queen. Mm. And I think the Queen should do it. Yes, I mean, if it is the Olympic to. Games. It's not going to happen again, is it? Well... Not for us. Not in our lifetime. No. And I'd like to ask you about this book, Living With Cancer. Mm. I wish they had it round a couple of years ago mm. when my husband was alive. Right. Oh, did you, you know? Did you not know about the book? This, this, this is an old book. I didn't know about yeah, it. Yeah, and I only knew about it because... Well, I'll tell you how old it is. This must be this must be 15 years old, this book. Really? Yes, yes, absolutely. And I it was very, my... very interesting because it gave you all the answers that nobody else would tell you. You see what I mean? Yeah. Nobody tells you these things. No, no, you're expecting... I mean, the trouble is, I have, I have a, a very close friend at the moment and his... His, uh, he has a family member who is actually going through this at the moment, and it's, and it's going to be terminal. And it's, it's really, you know, beating him into the ground. And he's mm. already been through it before, twice with two other members of the family. And, mm. uh, and we had a long chat about it yesterday, and I said, listen, he said, because all she's doing is sleeping at the moment. I said, but that's what happens. He said, but when you ask questions, they go, well, we'll just have to wait and see. Exactly. My husband, I, 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 I nursed my husband for six years. He, mm. he had um, a laryngectomy. Oh, right, right. Um, because he was a builder and right. it was the asbestos ah, that got his oh. throat. That, that used to be around a long time, didn't it? Every time, I remember somebody said, well, in fact, we had asbestos at school. Well, when he was a builder, because he was a builder, they didn't know anything about no. What asbestos was doing. I mean, he was a builder for 40 odd years. Nobody said. And unfortunately, he was in a ward with four other builders all suffering with the same thing. Oh, God. And unfortunately, he, he beat it and then it, it came back with a vengeance yeah. and it killed him. It's the, do you know, strange you should say that. Because it's it's the secondary cancer. Because normally when you it is when you get secondary yes, cancer that kills them. Yes, because my mother had the same. She had cancer first time round, and they cleared it. But the trouble is, there's always a little bit that hides. That's correct. And yeah. it's that little bit that learns how to multiply and beat the odds. That's correct. And that's well, the thing. And that's why they never say to you, oh, it's going to be this long or that long. Because my mother said, well, how long have I got? And they said, well, you know, it's, it's, it's terminal. We won't know until we've checked it as it goes through and, and see how fast it's spreading. Well, with my husband, when he, he said to me, I've got a lump here. Mm. And I didn't, because he was so ill anyway. Yeah. He said, I've got a lump here. And I took him back to the hospital and he said, come back again. Yeah. And I asked him, how long has he got? If he didn't have the chemo and this, that and the mm. other, he would have had three months. Yeah. 
if he took the chemo and everything, he would have had one year, and he lived one year. One year? One year. To the day? To the day. Amazing, isn't it? And anyway, it, God bless him, he's mm. in peace now. Well, that's, do you know, the only thing that you can ever think is that it's a, it's a blessed relief for that for that person in the end. I mean, you know, because people just get very tired. I always remember somebody saying to me, they said, you, you can always talk to somebody, even if they're, they're asleep, because that's the last sense. You know, they will always hear you. You can always talk to somebody. But to be honest with you, you don't... I know it sounds ridiculous, but you don't really know what to say to somebody who's asleep. I, know, I found it terribly difficult. You wouldn't have thought I'd have had a problem with things like that. But unfortunately, you're sitting in a ward... And I think there were three or four other people in there. And you don't really know what to say. So I know exactly how you feel, Sue. But it, it was a book called Living, Living with, with Cancer. And it, it gave you all the answers to the questions. Because it's something that we still know nothing about. There's so many different forms of it. And we're still in the dark. And we still go through it. People go through it every day. I've got no end of people who listen to this programme who are doing their chemo. Junior's had his chemo. We've had a number of other people, a number of other ladies who are doing chemo as well at the moment. And, uh, and that's good. So he's... Uh, He's out of danger, which is fantastic news. Quarter past five, the news headlines with Sam Pittis. The RMT union is called... 18 minutes past five. You'll notice if you go through Knightsbridge, all the barriers are up. The, uh, the road painting is underway. There's lorries all over the place. And now everybody's had to start delivering earlier and earlier in town. So they were doing the beer when I arrived in this morning. I thought, my God, they've sold a bit of beer next door. I suddenly realised that they're now having to come in early. And uh, poor Jason, you know, for the bread, our daily bread, thank him for that. Uh, he's got to now do nights because the bread needs to be delivered earlier. Marks and Spencer's, all their deliveries, I think, will be at about two in the morning because that's the only time you can get in. Otherwise, the roads will be closed. And, uh, and Lynn says, has the sun risen down in London? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm looking at the window. I mean, it's not, it's not up as high as it could be. She said, it's still dark here. You sure you haven't got your, your, your eye mask on from overnight? Because I promise you, it, it definitely looks like daylight. It's going to be very, very sunny today. Very, very sunny. Uh, Bob reckons, uh, surely a British Olympian uh, must be the person who lights the flame. Failing that, I agree, Her Majesty would be the number one choice. I mean, it really, to be honest with you, it has to be the Queen. I don't I want anybody else. I mean, she, at least you know she wouldn't milk it for the publicity. You know that she'd just be doing it as a job. The car should come in. In fact, I'm sure I've seen this somewhere before. It's an open-top car. She does a circuit of the stadium. Everybody claps and cheers. And, and they've got the flame, and she's hanging on to it for grim death in the back. That's what, Or failing that, she goes round, and somebody's standing by the thing, holding the flame, and then she walks up, and then she lights it. Now, I can't remember if Her Majesty has done anything like that before. I cannot remember. In the back... Did she light beacons? Did we do beacons across the country? Did she do one of those? She might have done a beacon at some point. Well, certainly Princess Anne did, I think. But that, that's, what, that's what we need. It's, it's got to be the Queen. It's got to be the Queen. I don't, I don't want all these people they're talking about, you know, bringing over an American stuff. Who wants the American stuff? It's got nothing to do with the Americans. This is the British Olympic Games. This is London 2012. This is what we want. I don't want to see, you know, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie trotting round the thing. Thank you very much indeed. I want to see all the Brits out there. Uh, talking about leaving, uh, leaving children... Home alone. Jessica says, I thought this was ridiculous as well. I wasn't able to stay home alone until the age of 12. My husband's from London and was left home at the age of four, so his mum could take his sister to school. He sees it as no big deal. And I was livid when she suggested us leaving our little ones indoors whilst running errands. Needless to say, she isn't allowed to mind after, uh, mind after our children alone. Yes, it, it's that famous Home Alone, isn't it? It's that famous Home Alone film where they went on holiday and left Kevin. 
<laughs> easily done, apparently. I didn't think it was uh, that eagle. Uh, Roger says, I recommend Eddie the Eagle, a good example of the Olympic ethic. Yes, a failure. <laughs> we, don't want, we don't want a failure, I'm afraid. We only want, uh, we only want people who think it would be, uh, you know, good for them. That's why, definitely not Brand Beckham, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Steve, it would be great to see the Queen in Lycra, but dream on. On the subject of warm clothing and summer, when I was four stone heavier, I would wear coats and windbreakers, no matter how hot I was, to hide my wobbly tummy. Is that why people do it? But I, I do see people wearing the oddest clothes. The oddest clothes. I mean, I nearly tweeted the other day from Waterloo Station because it was the funniest sight ever. I was standing on a platform and there was nobody. I was the only one on the platform waiting for the train to come in. And, uh, and when the train... Oh, actually, because I bumped into somebody the other day. Wait a minute. Find my wallet. I wrote it down. I'm, I'm sitting on the train... And there's a bloke. In fact, I've had it a few times at Waterloo. And, uh, and, and, this, and this bloke, uh, is, he might have been doing the papers or he might have been something to do with the platform anyway. And he said, morning, Steve. Is it? And then he, and they suddenly realised. He went, Ste-. I said, I listen to you every morning. Every morning. His name's Lenny. And he works at Waterloo Station. He said, every morning from four, he said, I listen to you. And he said to another bloke on the platform, he said, I listen to him every morning. Steve Allen. And all of a sudden, I became like an object. <laughs> People are sort of pointing. So Lenny is at Waterloo Station, and he's a regular listener to this programme. I knew I had to mention somebody. I should have done it the other day, actually. I completely forgot about it. But I'm, I'm, I'm standing on the station yesterday, and, uh, and I'm the only one on there. There's nobody. And then the train pulls in. <coughs> which is going to disgorge thousands of people. And I'm literally, I'm standing there, and there's these hundreds of people all milling round me. It was really odd. And I thought, I should have taken a picture of this and tweeted and gone, everyday life at Waterloo Station. In fact, I might, I might do it today, because you've never seen so many people. It's, it's just like an army, and each few minutes there's another train that pulls in and disgorges all its passengers, and they come into the capital to do their work. And then, of course, uh, with the Olympics, it's going to be even busier. Oh, there's going to be some very short tempers out there, I reckon. So, uh, Lenny, nice to see you the other day. I wrote it down. I had to write his name down on a piece of paper. I thought, I'll never remember these things. <laughs> 84850, uk. What's Nick Ferrari talking about this morning? Oh, he's going to be uh, he's gonna be talking about the betting shops. Now, this story came up uh, about a week ago, because we did it on the programme, when they were talking about how many betting shops there were on the high street. And I was trying to work out how many we've got. And I think we've got one... Two, three. I think we've got three. Three in Twickenham. And it's the usual ones. We've got Paddy Power, Bet Fred, and then a Ladbrooks. And I think there's three. I don't know how many there are in Richmond. There might be probably roughly. I don't know how many you're allowed in a town centre. But the story was that every time a shop became vacant, up went a betting shop. Well, in our, in our case, round our way, all we get are charity shops. So we were quite grateful to get betting shops. I don't think they're, they're a blight on the landscape at all. And I don't have any problem with them. The, the only problem is if people lose money. But as I hardly ever go in a betting shop. I mean, I really I don't go in there very often at all. But he'll be talking about whether or not you're sick of seeing them on the high street. I think they blend in quite well. I don't have any problem. You know, nothing's very garish. Their window displays are, are generally a little bit naff, aren't they? It's only got a picture of a horse or something like that. And somebody's written the odds out, and that's it. Uh, they say that there are new laws which could stop betting shops on the high street. Well, people play online, don't they? And uh, if people have a gambling addiction, I'm sure that this morning Nick will be talking to people with gambling addictions, people who've, who've lost everything, absolutely everything. You know, they've mortgaged the cat, the car, it's all gone, and, uh, and they've just put it either onto... Because what people tend to do is when they gamble, and I used to do it before, you actually, say, say put in £20, then you get back maybe 2 or £3 or something like that, and then you put that back in the machine, because what you're trying to do is then cover your losses... 
So, in other words, if you start off with £20, you want to at least... I always, I always had a, a theory that you would go in, you'd put £20 in, or £10, or whatever it is. If you win, you walk out, because you're on top of the situation. If you lose, walk out. Because it's only if you stand there and put more money in to try and recoup the losses that you've just had that you lose full, full, full term. So, so don't, don't ever do things like that. Uh, so Nick will be talking about gambling addictions later on today. Uh, Leveson has drawn to a close... Have we actually learnt anything apart from the fact that well, now we've discovered that some prison officers have taken backhanders from newspapers? One, £35,000. Uh, Lord Ian Blair, former Metropolitan Police Commissioner, will be live in the studio to look through the papers. And that's uh, all from Seven. It's interesting there is a company called Grasp. Gambling reform and social perception. Because people's... Pers- I don't really have a, a thought on people who gamble. I don't really have a thought on anything like that. I just sort of... I mean, it, it isn't like somebody who, who drinks. And yet that's an addiction, isn't it? If somebody drinks and you look at them and you think, oh, dear, you sad drunk. I've, how many times have you heard that expression? But you never hear, oh, sad gambler. You never hear that, do you? Because people just go in there. And I, I remember once there was a, a lad who used to gamble in one of the betting shops in, in Twickenham, and he would go in on a Friday and he would gamble his wages. He'd just been paid from the shop where he worked, and he would gamble his wages, and he would, he would do quite well. He'd sort of get the machine up to £1,000 or something like that, and then he'd gamble it and lose everything. And you think, blimey, if ever I saw £1,000 on a fruit machine... I did play one in Vegas when I was there last year, and I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I just thought, if I just push a few buttons, it'll make some noises. And, uh, and all of a sudden, it, it sort of racked up some things. I thought, oh, that looks interesting. So I pushed a button, and I got $60. Well, to be honest with you, I mean, I thought $60 was really good, because I'd only put it on about five, I think, five or ten, and I got 60 back. So that was a result. But I stopped after that, because I'm, I'm far too mean to start, to start gambling. <laughs> far too mean. Steve, uh, the Queen lit a beacon on the Mall at the concert. It's especially designed diamond, which we pushed down. Yes, I saw, that's right. I knew she'd done something else. You sure she didn't do another one, though? But that's who we think should be the person to do it for the Olympics. I still like the idea of, uh, of her doing it in Lycra. And, uh, and Philip in Lycra as well. And sort of having a little bit of a jog round and waving. <laughs> like the flame, you know. <laughs> I declare this flame open. I quite like that idea. She should do it. I'm very much looking forward to seeing it coming down the river at Twickenham. It's coming down from Hampton Court, I think, on the Royal Barge. So I'm looking forward to that. Because that's, that's a historic thing, isn't it? You have, to, you have to take part in these things. Because it, you won't see it again. So you, you, have, you have to go and watch and, and support. I'm delighted that every time the flame comes out and it's still going. I wonder, where, where does it go overnight? Does it hibernate? So, in other words, we know that it kicks off early this morning. But where is it now? I mean, is, is somebody sitting there? Does it... Oh, right... So it stopped off at Ali Pali. Is it, is it just somebody sits there holding it, do they? Is it going to a special holder? Is it, is it a van? Well, there's a van for the Olympic flame. Well, if anybody knows, do, do let me know. I'd love to know whether or not, you know, we could... Uh, because where, where, where is the mother flame? We, we shall find out, actually. Because then I'm assuming you can go back to the mother flame and relight it. I mean, I'll just pour a bit of petrol on and, you know, like that. That'd be quite enough, wouldn't it? We think the mother flame is in a van the whole time. It's all a bit technical, isn't it? Did you know that, ladies? You had no idea, did you? There is a mother flame. And then the individual torches are lit by the bearers from the mother flame. And the mother flame is the one that's presumably come all the way over. That's the one that came over on an aeroplane and everything else. It's quite exciting, really, when you think about it, isn't it? The more I think about it, the more excited I'm becoming. The idea that, it's, that we've got a mother flame. A mother flame. And then you just go to it and you just sort of light your thing and you go, that's from the mother flame, you know. And then you sort of roll in. And it's coming down on the, on the royal barge. 
which I'm very much looking forward to uh, to see. What a great thing. What a great thing. So we think the mother flame, we think that's where it is. It comes down, I think it's going to go to uh, Kingston through Ham, Petersham and then Richmond. And then I think Friday morning, for some reason it ends up, then it goes a few other places. Then on Friday morning it ends up back at Hampton Court Palace and that's when it's coming down the river. And so that'll be nice. How, how long it goes down the river. I think it visited uh, Battersea uh, Dogs and Cats Home. But they, they were thrilled. Look, man with a flame. Whoopee! <laughs> All the dogs sitting in there. I've done a feature. Actually, I've got some lovely pictures of me inside Battersea Dogs Home when they celebrated earlier on in the year. And um, mainly it's pit bulls in there. I can't get excited over pit bulls or Staffordshire bull, bull terriers or anything like that. It just frightens the life out of me. So we think that there is the mother flame in a car or in a van, and it's kept warm in there. Somebody talks to it. You are the mother flame. We love you. I'm so looking forward to seeing it. I really am. Uh, I would love to know from you, as well, if you think that uh, banning smoking in private cars is ever going to get through with the MPs. I think unlikely, but I canvass your thoughts on that one. It's LBC 97.3. It's 5.30. Conversation with Steve Allen. 27 minutes to 6 morning, if you've just woken up. It's going to be a nice day today. It'll be shorts. A lot of people wearing shorts yesterday who shouldn't have been wearing shorts. A lot of people wearing very small shorts, which they shouldn't have been wearing. It's very inappropriate clothing out there. The moment that you get some decent weather, out they drag from their wardrobe. We've been to ben- Benidorm some years ago. We decided to still wear the same outfit, and they don't fit. These short shorts a lot of the girls are wearing, wholly inappropriate, wholly inappropriate. Duncan Barks was talking on his programme this morning about cockney. Cockney language. These are from true-bred cockneys within the sound of bow bells. Hello, are you a cockney? I am. I have been up the apples and pears. And so it goes up. Nobody but nobody speaks cockney. It's not a language, it's just a few words. I mean, I wasn't actually sure whether or not anybody could ever get away with it. But apparently, East Londoners have launched a campaign for cockney rhyming slang to be preserved and recognised as an official dialect. Tower Hamlets Council is planning to give its schools the opportunity to include cockney lessons. A spokesman said five pearly kings and queens will reinforce the campaign. The idea is they'll do a lot more cultural events and visit schools to give cockney lessons. Because we do have... Uh, pearly kings and queens out there. You see them sometimes up at the Tower of London. You see them sometimes in uh, in Covent Garden. And it's a photo opportunity. Uh, they generally raise money for, for charity. And, um, and they do quite well. But nobody speaks Cockney now, do they? Nobody actually says, I'm going up the apples and pears to bed. Don't, we don't say bed, do they? I can't remember what they say now, what it is for bed. It'd be something ridiculous. But nobody says, I'm going up the apples and pears. You say, I'm just going upstairs. Or I'm just going to bed. Nobody, I mean, it isn't, it isn't a language as such. It's just a few well-chosen rhyming words. And so, and some of them, I mean, I've got no idea. I'm sure there's probably a book on it out there somewhere. But I've never heard anybody say that. I've never heard anybody actually say, I'm going up the apples and pears. <laughs> I don't think, unless, of course, you know differently. In which case, I'd love to hear from you. 0845 973 So after short relay around Greece, the flame is handed over to the new host city, in the stadium in Athens. The flame is then delivered to the host country, where it's transferred from one torchbearer to another, spreading the message of peace, unity and friendship. It ends its journey as the last torchbearer lights the cauldron at the opening ceremony in the Olympic Stadium, marking the official start of the Games. The flame then stays lit until it's put out at the closing ceremony. (sighs) 
I think they just turned the gas off, to be honest with you. I don't, th- I don't think they just... Have bu- they don't throw a bucket of water over it or anything like that. So, uh, so it's transferred from one torchbearer to another. So we're not sure about a host flame anymore. I, think I might be putting that one out to... Well, I don't know. It doesn't say... It doesn't say it's transferred from one torchbearer to... Well, exactly. Well, if it gets blown out, which it has done, they just light it again, don't they? They don't get the lighter out and light the thing. I'm assuming they, they work that bit out. But I don't think there's a host flame. I don't think it is. It was lit by the sun's rays initially. Which I think... I love ceremonies like that. I love anything with a, with a nice bit of tradition. But we're not now sure that there's this host flame, this sort of, this sort of flame that's travelling around in a van... I mean, how could you have a live flame in a van unless the van's got no roof on it? I mean, the heat would be unbearable. And also, so you've got a live flame in a van? I don't think so. I'm not buying that idea at all. I think that's, I think that's toffee. I think it's... T- it, I don't care. I think that's toffee, I'm afraid. I don't believe a word of that one. Uh, John in Malaga, winner of the Tour de France, Bradley Wiggins. Uh, when he applies for a new passport, he puts place of birth, Ghent... In Belgium. What does he put for nationality? Belgium or British? Well, they had this discussion yesterday on LBC. And uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't remember if, if Duncan was sort of saying, you know, but he's Belgium. I think, well, he was when he was two. But then he's been here for, for ages and ages. And, yeah, he, he is British. As far as I'm concerned, he is British. It has to be, you know, it has to be British. Simple as that. Yesterday we talked about Julia Grant. And uh, this was in the light of... The young man who was transgender, 16 years old, 17 years old, and the school went, go home, put some men's clothes on, and he went, no. And he then produced the uh, the document, which says, listen, you can't pick on me. That's discrimination. And I reminded everybody of a programme called George to Julia. There was a book out written by Julia Grant, who was George, who was uh, a DJ in London and had a sex change, but decided to have it on television. They They showed you most things. Most things on television. But anyway, you're quite right, because it suddenly jogged my memory, Paul, when you said uh, she turned up on four in a bed in April this year. She now runs the Queen's Hotel in Benidorm. I will only say she didn't win. After all these years, still a very controversial figure, and putting it politely, not very well liked in some quarters. Yes, I can well imagine. I can well imagine, in the same way that having watched Come Dine With Me, the vile Amir... A man who was so horrible, it was hard to comprehend how he how he got through life without somebody hitting him. Uh, Paul says when Roy first came into the street, he was living in a flat on his own and did actually have a chessboard on a table in the corner. Oh, did he? Oh, right. Ofcom have cleared Britain's Got Talent over the ghastly burlesque act Beatrix von Bourbon. They say that her appearance was tastefully edited. You mentioned Ronan Park the other day. I was looking on one of your unofficial Facebook pages. There was a picture of him with his agent, Mr Dodgen, who's looking very well. Yes, Paul is, uh, Paul is looking after Ronan Park. And I think there's a, there's a single out very, very shortly. I think there's a single out very, very shortly. So I, I would love to hear from you today. Uh, if, you're, uh, if you're one of these people... I mean, does anybody speak Cockney? Does anybody speak this, this language? I don't think they do. Um, apparently, uh, this man here... The mayor, who is uh, Lufa Rahman, says it's important we keep the older traditions alive. In a world where hundreds of languages die off every year, we need to encourage Cockney traditions. Even kids born in families speaking Bengali, Arabic or Somali at home end up speaking with a Cockney accent. Dr Sue Fox from Queen Mary's College, University of London, who's written a study 
of the Cockney accent and its origin said, Cockney has undergone more rapid change in the last five decades than at any time in its long history. So there you go. So presumably out there, there must be people speaking it. But who do you speak it to? So if, you, if you're there, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to keep going back to apples. And, have we got a Cockney dictionary? Can we find um, a, something online that sort of has got all these sort of Cockney phrases and words? Because I don't know how you'd learn it. Because it's all, it's just rhyming, isn't it? So, apples and pears, stairs, uh, dog and duck. Sorry? Bubble bath is a... But, so why use two words when one will do? I'm not surprised people changed it. I mean, you could be there for days, just trying to get a normal conversation out, couldn't you? So let's have a look and just see, see what we can come up with for you this morning. Um, the latest rabbit from our resident Cockney loonies, have a butcher's, why don't you? We did, actually, I took pictures by the Cockney cash machine. Adrian and I went out with those pictures of that. Uh, Ruby Murray, curry, butchers. Wait, wait, wait. The classic is, of course, apples and pears. Uh, modern one, Pete Tong, or reckon it's a fake load of old pony, load of old pony, pony and trap. Well, anyway, yes, <laughs> that one as well. So that's what it is. So created by True Cockneys. I don't know, load of old pony. I quite like load of old pony. That's I've I've, I've heard that one before. And um, another one here. I'm trying to find Adrian Mole. What's that? Adrian Mole kettle, Ackerbilk, Abergavenny. There's so many different ones here, aren't there? It's, I've got no idea what they are. Ackerbilk is Cockney slang for milk. Ackerbilk milk. Just gonna have a glass of Ackerbilk. Why would you say? Why do you just say I'm going to have a glass of milk? What's the point of saying I'm going to have a glass? I don't. I, I don't believe that. Do people really say that. Do you think? Let's find another one. Let's just go... Ab- what do you think Abergavenny rhymes with? What do you think Abergavenny rhymes They are Abergavenny, Cockney slang for penny. So you've got this heck of a long word. You go, I'm just going to go up the apples and pears, have a, have a glass of Ackerbilk, and then I shall look for that Abergavenny I lost under the bed. <laughs> that would be there for days. Days. Oh, my Lord. I don't know how people cope with things like that. Dave... Morning. Morning, Treacle. Morning, Treacle. I used to work in a motor trade uh, yeah. a few years ago, and there was a car dealer who used to come in there, and he was a typical car dealer. You know, during the winter time, he'd have his sheepskin coat on and a trilby. <laughs> um, and he used to talk in rhyming slang all the time. And to be quite honest you, we didn't understand a word that he was on about. You, <laughs> you really had to listen to what he was saying and try and work it out, you know. But he was... He was actually full of the rhyming slang. You're having a um, giraffe, aren't you? No. no. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, I don't quite understand why somebody... Ca- wh- wh- how this thing originated when... What's the matter with using the proper words? I think I think it was so they could talk about somebody without them actually knowing. You yeah. know, it, I, I think... I used to... Um, Lamberfork Market, the market traders, when years ago when I was a kid, they used to talk in rhyming slang down there. You know, they they not so much talk about the customers, but they it, they get over across. Oh, she's come up here again, and she wants something for nothing. And, they, and talking rhyming slang to uh, to talk about the customers. Yeah. You know, it was so they didn't know what you was actually saying about them. I think. Yes. Yes. <laughs> But it it comes back to you every now and again. You get different bits and pieces that you you say to people, and you pick up the rhyming slang. 
Well, I don't think it's a bad thing. You know, it's, no. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just curious as to the as the origins of it. I know, you know, only true cockneys are born within the sound of bow bells. I understand that bit. I just didn't understand the language thing. But I suppose it was a, an East End thing. I'm, I'm assuming it doesn't spread abroad. It's just in London, isn't it? Um, I think it does spread abroad because you, you go into a lot of these places and. Uh, Especially Spain or somewhere like that, where they've they've watched Falls and Horses, and they they come over with the with the menus, and it's all lovely jubbly and yeah. you know that sort of thing. But um, yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of fun after time. All right, really. let's actually try you out then. Okay, I'll Go give you then. I'll give you the English. You give me the Cockney. Oh, I don't know an awful lot of it, but I'll I'll give it a go. Go on. All right, feet. Plates of meat. Teeth. Pearly whites. No, Hampstead Heath. Ah. Or Hampsteads. Okay. Eyes. Oh, eyes. No, I don't know that one. Mince pies. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Legs. Yeah. You'll never Legs. get this one. <laughs> no. Scotch eggs. <laughs> 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 Arms. <laughs> Chalk farms. <laughs> my, mind, my mind's gone blank. I know. And I'll tell you, another a bit that is coming now is the text. Talking. That's yes. Oh dear. Thing, Somebody said it? to me the other day, "Have you learnt to do this sort of abbreviation?" I said, "Listen, I can't be bothered, please." Well, some somebody sent me a text the other day, and I actually get one of the board. I said, "Have a read of this. Like, see, see what they say." And he said, "Oh, they just abbreviated everything." Yes. I said, well, why don't they just talk properly? Or why can't they just ring me and speak to me on the phone? I you know, <laughs> that annoys me more than anything. Is the texting business. I, do you know, the funny thing, I, I said that to somebody the other day. I said, why is it that people send you a text where it's just as quick to pick up the phone and call you? Exactly. Drives exactly. me mad. Yeah. Listen, oh, listen no, me, old mate. China. Nice to, have a, nice to have a chat with you. You be lucky, mate. Be lucky. You be lucky. Well, I'll try to be lucky. You be lucky. That's treacle number two. Treacle. I only, uh, treacle came in years ago because I had a cab driver and <laughs> quite a number of cab drivers over the years. And he had girlfriends, but he couldn't remember their names. So he called them all treacle. So every time the phone rang, he'd pick up and go, hello, treacle. And I said, do you know who that was? He said, no, he said, it's treacle. I said, but the other one was treacle. He said, they're all treacle. Quarter to six. <laughs> News headlines with Sam Pittis. The mayor's facing calls from the RMT. Steve Allen. become a bit vague, this Cockney thing now. It's, it used to be a true Cockney, somebody born within the sound of Bow Bells, which is St Mary LeBeau, I think, in Cheapside. However... They now say it can be, be applied to many people born outside the area as long as they've got a Cockney accent. Now, to be honest with you, I don't quite know what a Cockney accent is. I mean, you hear it. They say it's very common in Bedfordshire towns like Luton and Leighton Buzzard and Romford. It's all very confusing. Peter, good morning. Morning, Stephen. Morning. You it's... have been making big mistakes, mate. Oh, my God. <laughs> right, reason is, right. Cockney rhyme and slang originally brought out by the criminal fraternity, so the uh, Rosers wouldn't know what they were talking about. The so police. when they spoke about anything, right. the rhyming slang was, you said the first word, the rhyme, the second word, let no. But say, I, I looked at your thing on the telly, and I see your boat and uh, your barnet's a little bit short. Right. Quite plainly saying, looked at your face, boat race, and your barnet, barnet's their hair. It's only the first words you use, but right. a lot of it nowadays is called mockney. Mockney. Ah, mock. People are using new words. I mean, I heard someone talking about a lembari. I thought, what's that? And I realised one, two, three. Oh, right. <laughs> it, How could, you, you only me and you would know who lembari was. 
That's the reason why. That's how it came out. It was solely it was developed by the criminal fraternity, so the uh, police wouldn't know what they was on about. Right. So, so you don't use both words. You just use the first word. Just the first. Right. And do people still use it? Rhyme. Do people, Peter, still use it? Sorry. Do people still use it? Do you think? Some of them do. I mean, but as I say, a lot of them are using this mockney, which, as I say, is mock cockney. Yeah. What do you think Hank Marvin is? <laughs> starving. No, you're starving. Starving. Oh, you're starving. It's, a, it's Hank... all different things. It's amazing, I mean? isn't it? <laughs> so, I mean, you, you know, you talk about your trouble. Trouble and strife. Trouble and strife, wife, yes. Yes. Right? And things like that. But that's all it was. The idea is so that if the police overheard what they were saying, quite plain, plainly, they didn't know without knowing the, uh, the second word, the rhyme. Peter, I'm glad you explained that to us, because I've also just... You're absolutely right, of course. I wasn't going to disagree with you at all. But is it funny that you would say years ago... I mean, a very common expression was, just going to have a butcher's. Yeah, butcher's hook. You, and, and, and you don't... You know, nowadays you don't hear people saying that, do you? No. As I say, I mean, I've been brought up with it all my life, but as I say, nowadays it's mockney. Mockney. They're using modern phrases for things. You know, I think they're being good, but they're wrong. Lazy estuary. Okay, so go, all right, mate. Bye. Lazy estuary. I think they call it estuary English, didn't they? I'll just pour some, uh, some more of this ghastly lemon juice. It really is. I'm sure. Somebody said to me the other day, sure it's doing you some good? I said, I don't think so, no. Try it every morning. So, do, do we keep it as part of our history? And, uh, and it, so it's the first word. You're not using both words. So, having a butcher's. Because, I mean, I, uh, apparently Cockney came from the British prison, Steve. The convicts invented it, as Peter just told us, so that the prison officers don't understand them. Well, that kind of works, doesn't it? There was also something else used by gay people back in the, in the 50s called Polari. And Polari was a lot of words spelt backwards. So hair in Polari is raya. You used to hear it a lot in Round the Horn with, with Kenneth Williams and, uh, and, and all, all the gang on there. They go, get a lot of that, but it was raya, nanti raya. And I think, nan- I can't remember what it was. Nanti was rubbish or something like that. So, uh, so now... So now we, we, we've got Cockney, and I love the idea that the mayor, that's uh, Lutfer Rahman from Tower Hamlet, says that they, they want more and more pearlies to go round and start teaching people. But as you've just heard from Peter, what happens is, uh, is, is uh, you know, a little, you know, a, a little thing going on, which now becomes Mockney. And that's what I think Jamie Oliver was. Jamie Oliver, they used to say, was Mockney. You know, it's it's uh, it's it's good actually. Uh, one here says Steve Allen really makes my blood boil. He's like my mum has an opinion about everything. Of course, you'd have to be a bit thick, wouldn't you, if you didn't have an opinion about everything? I mean, or or failing that, perhaps you're on tablets. But he says, don't know why I'm up at twelve a.m. in Barbados because you've got nothing else to do. So there you go. <laughs> That's why, and because you're addicted to the program. You know, we like people being addicted, but it, you must almost have an opinion. If if you don't have an opinion, I mean, you might as well not bother. Everybody's got to have an opinion on everything. Do you like that? Mm, I don't know. What, what do you think about that? I don't know. I mean, that's just weak and pathetic, isn't it? So, now, Cockney, we know, came from British prisons. The convicts invented it so that the prison officers didn't understand them. 84850, uk or stevedlbc.co.uk, or 08456060973. So we're looking at, uh, looking at Cockneys and, uh, and finding out exactly whether or not people are still speaking it. And the answer is yes, they are. On the subject of the living flame, Bob tells me it, uh, it was even alight in two special containers on the flight from Greece to London, special permission given by the authorities. So I'm able to believe it's a light in the van. 
Yes, I'm, well, I've yet to see the vet. No, he's, only, he's in Manchester. He might be wrong. He doesn't know. He's in Manchester. We need to see the flame. I want to see it. Muhammad Ali will light the flame, and I suspect David Beckham will help him, as Ali isn't a very well man, says Sally. Oh, I hope not. Oh, dear. I really couldn't cope with that. That really would ruin it for me, I'm afraid. <laughs> and uh, there you go. So, the language developer says, Bob, on how to avoid the police listening. You think after a while the police would start writing down the words. That's twice he's mentioned apples and pears. Twice he's mentioned them. Apples and pears. Uh, a kettle is a wristwatch. A kettle is a... Why, why a kettle? Because you watch a kettle. You watch a kettle. Do you know, I'm old enough to remember when kessel, kettles whistled. Remember whistling kettles? Blimey. Mark the bailiff's off out this morning. That's always good news for somebody. Well, actually, it's ba- good news for us. Bad news for, uh, for people out there. And Shelley says, when Barbara Windsor was on Who Do You Think They Are. They talked about Barra Boys in East End Market, and apparently Cockney rhyming slang was used so the police, the Rosers, couldn't understand what they were talking about. All right, Treacle? I like that, you see. I like the idea of calling the police the Rosers. I don't know where that came from, actually. It doesn't rhyme with anything, does it? Rosers? No, it doesn't make any sense at all, actually. I don't know why they were called Rosers. We shall, uh, we shall find out a little bit later on, no doubt. Because we're all experts now. We're all experts on, on Cockney. Uh, we all we all love it, and it's and being in London, of course, it's fantastic. Uh, Steve, you accidentally stumbled on the way you actually speak Cockney. Only say the first part of the rhyme, says Gary. See, look, everybody's an expert now. Everybody's an expert telling me exactly how I'm supposed to do this properly. I wouldn't survive five minutes, would I? I would be terrible. Malcolm says, my dad used Cockney, and many of my mates, China Plate, still use it today. I think we should teach it to all the kids, dustbin lids, in schools, two-foot rules. If it's lost, it will never come back. So, in other words, if so, if you've got mates, would they just be plates, or would they be china, as in china plates mates? And kids dustbin lids. Would you go kids dustbin, or would you go kids lids? Which word would you use there? Is it the first bit or the second bit? And schools would that be two foot, or would it be rules? In which case, it'd be the second word, wouldn't it? It's very confusing. See, look already, we're confused. We need to bring a book out. I've got the squeaky chair again today. I think I've been naughty or something. Today I get the squeaky chair. Uh, Lynn says, I enjoyed EastEnders and the AbFab programme last night. Read the Olympics. So funny, AbFab. If it's to do with the Olympics, we love it. We're, we're big on the Olympics. Well, I'm certainly very big on the Olympics. I can't wait. I just want more bunting up, I'm afraid. Much more bunting. Ian Dale will be doing LBC's uh, coverage for the Olympics on Friday. I think he's got a mammoth show, poor soul. He's got five hours. <gasps> God, I mean, he'll be knitting fog by the end, I should imagine. He'll be, so, he'll be, he'll be almost olympic out. There's probably a Cockney rhyming word, isn't it, for, uh, for Olympics, but I can't, I can't think of what it would be at the moment. This is the, the campaign we're talking about in the papers today. They, they want to make sure that we don't lose Cockney. But unfortunately, as you've heard from a, a few people on the programme this morning, it's, it's turned into a bit of Mockney and a bit of estuary English, uh, sort of lazy English, which isn't, uh, which isn't particularly good. So we're hoping to put it all back and, and make it original, which is lovely. Daily Express this morning, Britain's baking, and it's going to get hotter. But come the weekend, I'm afraid Sunday, I think you've got the thunderstorms back in. So at least gets the, uh, let's get the opening to the Olympics done. Let's have the nice firework display. That should be great. And the films every child should see by the age of ten. They've actually done uh, a list of films. And do you know the one film, Toy Story? Toy Story Story is the one film they say that every child should see before the age of 10 because it teaches everything in that film. Very important life lessons about self-belief and family values. And so uh, lessons from that stay with you from life. 
So in other, in other words, if you've got children and they're, uh, they're 8, 9, 10, Toy Story. Toy Story 1, Toy Story 2. Both great films. And not only does Toy Story entertain, it also teaches about interpersonal relationships and the acceptance of people from different walks of life. They're themes which stay with us as we grow up. Fantastic. You're so right, actually. I never thought there was a hidden message in cartoons. I never thought about it. Of course, it's not really a cartoon, is it? It's an animation from Pixar, who always swore blind that they'd never do sequels, and they've done two already. I think there's Finding Nemo coming out, and then there's another one as well. Monsters, Inc. I loved Monsters, Inc. I thought Monsters, Inc. was just a super, super, super film. But lots of pictures, of course, of people swimming in the sea. Um, Do you know, still, you get people standing in the sea with their dresses on, lifting their dresses up like they used to years ago. You think, why don't you just put a swimming costume on? You know, I'm always the first one on the beach in my Speedos. I'm always the first one wandering. I've got my little windbreak. Put my windbreak up. Got a little kettle. You know, boil up. Got my little, you know, stuff there. I've got my sandwiches in my Tupperware box, which have generally gone off by the time you get down there. But that's what you'll be doing today, because it's hotter here than Honolulu. Although, given the choice, ladies and gentlemen, I think Honolulu's going to win, isn't it? I wouldn't mind going to Honolulu. That sounds quite nice. But today, 30 degrees. 30 degrees. Enjoy it, because it starts easing off a little bit as we head towards the opening of the Olympics. It's LBC 97.3. It's uh, Steve Allen's early breakfast. And the news at six with Sam Pittis is in 30 seconds. Steve Allen. So, Rosa... We've now discovered this. I mean, I knew Sir Robert Peel was the father of modern policing, so he established the Met back in 1829. So, Rosa for what? Oh, right. So, Robert is Rosa. Oh, right. Robert Rosa. Oh, you oh, know a guy years ago. Oh, they've actually changed Robert to Rosa. So, here come the Rosas. Here come the. Carl, quick, get here. Up, up the apples and pears, quick. The Rosas are here. Oh, up the apples. Sorry, that's right. Yes. And then we, we did type in something that was a very good. Uh, website that we found, which is sort of translate from English to Cockney. And so, and it was rubbish. It was rubbish. We actually put something in, like, I'd like to go upstairs to use the toilet. And it came back as, uh, sort of, go love a duck. Go love a duck. I'm just going up the apples to go to the toilet. The toilet bit said exactly the same. So perhaps there is no word for toilet. There must be something to a tinkle, mustn't there? I'm assuming there must be some Cockney rhyming slang for tinkle. I don't know if you know what it is. Do, do tell me, please. Eight four five six zero six zero nine seven three. Getting quite into this now. This morning, I'm getting, I think we should. I think that they should have. Have they done that at the Olympics? Do you think at the opening ceremony there's going to be pearly kings and queens? It's in Stratford, for goodness' sake. There's got to be, hasn't there? There's absolutely got to be all the pearlies out on mass, on mass. You know, filling up the whole of. Uh, I don't know how many pearlies there are. The term carpet in slang refers to three, because if you were sent to prison for three years or more, you've got a bit of carpet to go in your cell. A double carpet is 33. We all all know about the prison terms, don't we? Quite worried about this this morning. So the term carpet in slang refers to three, because if you were sent to prison for three years or more, you've got a bit of carpet to go in your cell. So you didn't need to ask somebody, did you? You know, what do you Oh, you've got carpet. That obviously works quite well. Uh, John in Malaga. And, um... It's back in the 1950s, a friend of mine said he was going to see his animal, but the bus never came. So, oh God, I have to I have to take that one slowly, but surely I don't want to be saying things that I might not. I'm not supposed to be saying on the programme because I get a bit confused with, as you can well imagine, it's easy to confuse me at this time of the morning. Uh, John says, I agree with you. Read the death penalty. Uh, this is for the uh, young man in America who 
as I've said three times now, you actually watch on the television, uh, you would never see that in this country. You would never see somebody sitting in the dock, you know, at some of the big murder trials that we've had. You'd never see the people. Never see them at all. You know, you might have a picture of somebody going in from a, from a prison van, but that's just about it, I'm afraid. But in America, you can see just about everything. Uh, one here. Steve Allen just read out my tweet. I guess I can go to sleep with a cockney smile on my face because I'm in Barbados. No, you love listening to the programme. We send you to bed with a smile on your face because uh, we're just like that. Um, uh, nostalgia is nice, though. Search it later on or we'll all be doing dialects next. Culture, you say? It'll all be gone soon. Ah, oh, no, it won't. No, it won't. I like the idea of, of people who've got different sort of culture. Morning, Pat. Oh, good morning. Morning. <laughs> um, I'd like to give... Well, I'm, I'm so sick of hearing the old apples and pears, etc. <laughs> and my husband used to speak back slang all the time, and cockney slang. Right. I wondered if I gave you a little one, you could guess what it is. OK, I'll try. Right. Um, one day, somebody said to him, well, how's Bert? And he said, oh, he's Harry, Bob and Dick. He said he's got a Conan on the bushel. It's <laughs> when he's Harry, Bob and Dick, is sick. Yes. And he's got a colon on the bushel. He's got a Conan... Conan. Conan Doyle? A Conan. C-O-N-A-N. A Conan. Oh, I don't know what that one is. That's short for uh, the author Conan Doyle. Right. On the bushel. So he's got a boil on the bushel and peck. He's got a boil on the neck. Oh, right. God, blimey. Yes. <laughs> Harry, Bob and Dick, he's got a Conan on the bushel. Right. So that means he's sick and he's got a boil on his neck. That's it. Good girl. That's what we like to hear, Pat. OK. Thank you for that, love. Take care. Bye. Bye. There's Pat on the Isle of Sheppey. Apparently a Jimmy Riddle is a tiddle. Jimmy, I think it's a Jimmy Riddle piddle. I think it's a tiddle. I don't know why we call it... A pie, yes, pie and mash, I think we were quite well aware of that one. Uh, and, uh, or, or eyelash. Eyelash. Never heard of that one before. I've, I've, actually, I've heard of a Jimmy Riddle before. I mean, I don't know why. I'd, I've, I've, you know, sometimes you can't remember these things. And then all of a sudden, somebody puts it in. But we, we, didn't, we didn't find out what toilet was. Doesn't seem to be any word for toilet. Also, going up the apples for a Jimmy, apparently. I mean, why you tell people this, I can't imagine. Why you tell people? I cannot imagine. Cheese, as I said before, you must remember to down- download this programme a little bit later on. Cheese could slash the risk of diabetes. Not much use if you've got diabetes, but it could slash the risk of you getting it. That's type 2, which is the one that's... Uh, it's, it's funny, that, isn't it? Cheese, because I thought cheese was really fattening. I don't have cheese very often at all. In fact, hardly ever. Hardly ever. Uh, other stories in the papers for today. This is... Uh, uh, one, oh, yes, uh, I mentioned about this poor lady, uh, Rosemary Snell. She was the one who was blocked in the tunnel by that landslide with her, <coughs> excuse me, boyfriend. And thieves ransacked her home. Ransacked her home while, while she was in... I mean, isn't that just the most heartless thing you could ever think of, that anybody would ever do anything like that to anybody? I mean, how these people could ever live with themselves. I mean, you want to go round and sort of dish out some justice, which involves cutting off people's hands. You know, you thieve. I know it's happened in other other countries around the world and every time I sort of see it I always think oh that's very harsh and then you think well it kind of stops them doing it again doesn't it because that's that's the big problem nowadays there's uh, a poor retired couple here this is Tom Wardle Tom Wardle's a bit desperate to sell his house and he can't not that there's anything the matter with the house it's just and it's 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 on the market for 350,000 and it all started about um about the year 2010 where somebody crashed into the front of his house, destroying his, his lovely wall. 
Two months later, somebody else drove into his house and he's just had the third one. Three people have now had accidents in his... Oh, sorry, I tell a lie. Five accidents in two years. His house has obviously got a death wish. You know, you see that, don't you? See, so, And so-and-so was sitting in her front room and all of a sudden this car appeared from nowhere. Well, in his case, nobody wants to buy it because every time the for sale board goes up, somebody... I think what happens is they're driving along and, and somebody, the wife will go to the husband, here... Put your mince pies this way, because they're obviously Cockney. And he goes where, and and they smash straight through the sign. I think that's what it is. It's people out driving. They see the for sale sign. They go, that looks nice. Smash. Five five cars have hit his house in two years. Poor soul. Honestly, one of these days he will sell it. I love that program on the television where people can't sell their house, and then they bring round that lovely lady on Channel Five who um, who, who sort of changes their house and says, get rid of all this stuff, get rid of that, we'll paint this here, do that, do that, new new carpeting in, we spent £3,000, look, now it'll sell. And so many people go, oh, I like it now, I don't want to sell it. And she transforms the kitchen, I thought that'd be great, I'd love that. Love one of those makeover programmes. I was just invited the other day, in fact yesterday, to join the company of Spamalot. Okay, I know, I know it seems rather strange, and even I was somewhat taken aback by it. But uh, no, Spamalot is, is, is what they were offering. And it's a walk-on part, okay? A walk-on part saying nothing. Well, you, you, you say one line. And so, I'm not going to do it, no, no because it, um, unfortunately... And, and they say they'll also give you tickets for the show. It's quite a good idea. So you can almost buy yourself a part in Spamalot where you walk on and go... And they say, so-and-so, so-and-so, and you go, not really. And walk off again. And that, that's your big moment. But you get rehearsal period and everything. And, uh, and they asked me if I wanted to do it. So I've had to write back and go, it's a lovely idea, but not. I think it's, it's more for Neil Redding. More for Neil Reddy, who, whose company has organised it, which I think is quite clever. It's a great, great advertising thing. Clever boy. 14 minutes past six. LBC 97. Point- 19 minutes uh, past six. So they're thinking, they're thinking of banning smoking in private cars. Now, it's been through the Lords, and uh, that's been nodded through. And now they've got to find an MP in the Commons to adopt it. They're never, ever... Do you think the police are sitting there at the moment going, oh, look, something else to do for us? Something that now we have to stop people who are smoking in cars. So, in other words, what are you going to do? These are going to be people you're going to be... Is this going to be all the motorcycle cops? Rosers? Or is this going to be just normal police officers? I don't know. I think they've got more than enough to do. More than enough... You can imagine paperwork. So, uh, I was travelling in an easterly direction, and I saw this uh, car with uh, what can I be described as a chav inside, wearing a pink tracksuit with a fag on. And uh, I immediately alerted her to the uh, fact that it was, in fact, illegal to smoke in her own vehicle with her own cigarettes. I subsequently arrested the old bag and we took it to the station. She's currently banged up and will be for some time. What a waste of time. Everybody smokes. You see taxi drivers smoking in taxis. You see bus... I've seen bus drivers smoking. I see loads of people smoking. I thought, I mean, I thought there was, in, in firms' vehicles, it's a bit hazy, this one, uh, a law about not smoking in it, but I see it all the time. I've seen no end of ta- taxi drivers with sort of fags on, because if you smoke, you smoke. Their vehicle, it's their place of work, so I suppose they're allowed to. But if, if they bring this in here, although they brought it in in pubs, didn't they? They managed to stop people smoking in pubs. Perhaps they can stop you smoking in your car as well. Imagine people arriving, you know, on the ferry, cr- coming across from France to Dover, and they said, all the French, all the Italian, everybody smokes. And then somebody goes, I'm sorry, you can't smoke in your own vehicle. Yeah, of course, I don't think so. You're nicked. Who by? Or another one of these, these policemen. Having just axed loads of policemen, now we need to bring them back in again to try and enforce this. I don't care. 
whether or not there's other people in the car. That's that's their their big crutch on this one. It's children. It's the passive smoking route again. It's the fact that kids are sitting in the car, and you do see it. I've seen it. Windows done up. Somebody puffing away on a fan. Why they don't have the windows open? I've got no idea. I always, when I smoked in the car, always had the window open because I flicked the ash out the window. And so when you got out of the car, all the ash was down the side of the car. It looked horrible. But uh, that's what you did, and then you throw the cigarette out. Now, please stop you for throwing a cigarette out of the car because you're littering. I did it the other day. I did drop a... Oh, God forgive me. I've dropped a piece of paper out the car window, and the person I was travelling with went, what have you just done? I went, I just dropped a piece... I said, I just dropped a piece of paper out the window. He said, that's littering. I thought, you'll be walking back, I'll tell you. None of this malarkey going on. So I don't think they'll ever actually bring it in. I don't think it's it's possible. Because what they've actually got to do is, is have a full debate then in the House of Commons. Once an MP adopts it, and then the cross-party support will be built on, and then finally they achieve legislation on what he says is a critical issue. I don't quite see it as a critical issue. I, I, I don't know what the statistics are on people who have uh, who've become seriously ill through passive smoking in cars. More likely to be hit by a passing carrot. Cockney rhyming slang for something. Uh, I can't think what. Uh, other stories that were in the uh, the papers today. Uh, why do you walk this way? Scientists call for volunteers to participate in the analysis of the Essex Swagger. The Essex... Have you ever heard of such a thing? The Essex Swagger. It's ridiculous. They've now said... They've got medical researchers at the... Ang... At, where is it? The Anglia Ruskin University in Chelmsford. Sounds a bit grand, doesn't it? And then they go, Chelmsford. And it says here, they've decided to analyse local walking styles. And they're appealing for members of the public to come forward to help them detect the subtle differences in walking styles and develop better treatment for a range of patients. So, in other words, if you, if you sort of swagger, like, a little bit like that, what? Because you never ever find sort of people who speak terribly, terribly well swaggering. You know, people, people who swagger tend to have dogs on leads and like that. God, darling, Chantel, come on. You know, they're a bit like, they're the people who swagger. You're not going to find anybody else who swaggers, are you? Who's going, do you know, I think I'm going to go up the stairs and have a Jimmy Riddle. I don't, you know, you're not going to find that at all. They're going to be the ones walking in the straight line, going into Cordings and Selfridges and all the other places. The ones in Essex. I mean, Joey Essex, I don't think so much walks as sort of slightly minces. I don't think it's as butch as maybe it could be. But, they, but they, they're, they're sort of highlighting people um, who it's a bit like Amy Childs, who pitched up on television yesterday. I mean, is she deliberately playing a three-year-old, or is, or is that her mental age? I mean, it's a bit difficult to tell. But this man here, Dr Mutana, says that people have small markers attached to the bony parts of their body. Well, they'll have to find my bony parts, first of all. That'll be the, that'll be the treasure hunt, won't it? So we're looking for... God, there's no bony parts on you? Absolutely not. I'm well-rounded, I'm afraid. You've got to be over 18 and able to walk without impediment, and they will attach things to your pelvis, feet and shoulders. It's going to sound quite naughty, isn't it, really? Taking part in the study will be totally painless, and the biomechanics data gathered will be of great value to future work. So if you want to know about it, this is Anglia Ruskin University in Chelmsford, and it's a gate... Analysis Laboratory, a gait analysis, G-A-I-T, which is how you walk, because most of us walk badly. Terrible. Patel says, did you know you can't smoke in a van as it's classed as your workplace? Well, this is the, this is the thing that I don't quite understand. Can you smoke in it if it's your van or if it's somebody else's? I don't know. I don't know. Um, because I see lots of people in white vans smoking. Loads of people. In fact, you know, the police could never actually, never actually change that at all, I'm afraid. Never actually change it. Uh, Simon Weston 
says Lisa. Simon Weston could be the person who could light the Olympic flame. Yes, yes. Um, and Gaz says, uh, the Cockney accent is rarely heard throughout central London these days, probably because no one who lives there speaks English. Oh, I don't know. We're all in central London. We speak... Well, I think I'm speaking English. Unless, of course, you think differently. East End is an old Cockney word, meaning to scream at your family and then stare moodily into a camera, moodily, for uh, for 25 minutes. <laughs> I like that one. I like that one, which is very good indeed. Uh, I agree, Steve. Gambling is addictive, mostly by fellas and also a lot of police to fall. I know ladies. Ladies get very addictive to gambling, especially online gambling. If they're sitting at home... Especially if they're sitting at home, it, it could be it could be done, you know, very very easily. Joyce says you're having a George Raft laugh, and Mary says got four books by Absent Books: rhyming Cockney, Australian English, Scottish English, and American English. <laughs> uh, Janice says I'll give you a Lady Godiva if you clean my Tommy Trinders for me. So a Lady Godiva is a fiver, apparently. So now, I never knew what any of these amounts of money were. A pony, I think, is £20 or £25. It's a monkey, a hundred. You see, that's what I don't... I can't remember what it is on the, on the money side of it. Uh, Steve. Uh, hot drink's very, very good for you every morning. Yes, I do like a hot drink in the morning. And uh, Kevin, in 34 years delivering milk in East London, I've never heard anybody ask me for a pint of acca. The word I use for cash is pebble, pebble dash, cash. And I've always known the toilet as Aunt Elou. Off to visit Auntie. I could just say you're going to the toilet. Makes it so much easier. So, uh, Kevin, the uh, Ackerman, because that's Ackerbilk milk. Okay, just thought, <laughs> just thought you'd know about these things. Uh, Steve, I heard yesterday Venus Williams wanted to carry the final Olympic flame. Yes, the uh, the talk is Muhammad Ali at the moment, and I'm hoping not. You know, and, and then somebody said uh, Muhammad Ali helped by David Beckham. I thought, oh, no, not really. I really hope not. Uh, the flame is kept in a Davy lantern. Whistle and flute is suit. And Jenny says, I found some LBC milk bottles in my loft as we're moving home today. LBC, I've got one of those at home. An LBC milk bottle. When we advertised on milk bottles. Yeah, which is great. Uh, how do we avoid chuggers on the streets? Uh, hold your phone up to your ear. They don't talk to anybody who's actually on the phone. It works. I promise you it works very, very well. Very, very well indeed. Quickly, front pages. Daily Express, why women feel they're best at, wait for it, 32. Uh, also, uh, Britain's baking, and it's going to get hotter. 29 billion wiped off shares in this new turmoil. Uh, Lord Steele's wife, Judy, uh, why I had a tattoo at the age of 70. Prince Harry's very happy. He's clasping his, hand, clasping his hands again. He's got tickets for the beach volleyball. And if you pay cleaners and tradesmen cash in hand, it is morally wrong. Morally wrong to do that. Although millions of you do it already. Uh, the Sun this morning arrests over the visa scandal and uh, the Joker killer, James Holmes, facing the public for the first time in court. A picture you'd never see if this was a British case. But because it's American, you see it. And Muhammad Ali, according to the Mirror, is poised to take centre stage at Friday's Olympic opening ceremony. Uh, Harry getting a date front page of the Times with the beach volleyball. And, uh, again, the Daily Telegraph running with morally wrong to pay tradesmen cash in hand. So if you've got a cleaner, you pay them cash in hand, it's apparently it's wrong. Nick Ferrari this morning talking about betting shops dominating the high street. New laws could put an end to it. And uh, looking at the papers today, the former Metropolitan Police Commissioner, Lord Ian Blair. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. It's going to scorch today. They say 30 degrees. 
which sounds absolutely horrendous as far as I'm concerned, but some people will absolutely love it. We'll have a free podcast for you up in about 30 minutes' time, and then the rest of the programme will be up a little bit later on. So if you're an LBC podcaster, you know how it works. If you're not, you just go to lbc.co.uk to find out all the details. Don't forget, tomorrow... The road closures come in, and that's going to bring a lot of chaos, but we'll have all the traffic information on LBC 97.3 for you. Have a lovely day. Enjoy the sunshine. Talk to you tomorrow morning. Coming up next on LBC 97.3, it's the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. LBC 97.3.